my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. You're listening to Studio 22. Welcome to Studio 22. I'm Brock O'Hearn. I'm here with my co-host, Will Melvin, and we are sitting with the legendary Pearson Foday, actor, stud, fellow cute boy. (laughs) (laughs) What's up, bro? How you doing, man? Feeling pretty cute today, man. Yeah, you're looking cute. Hanging out with you guys. Yeah, man. You guys are pretty cute, too. Oh, dude. Should we make Will an honorary cute boy? Oh, facts. Yeah. Oh, man, that would make my day. I've I've never been one before, so. Yeah. (laughs) Name, Name another man that rocks a beard with a pink hat like that. Oh man, that's a, that's a cute boy sign. That is. I appreciate that. that is. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of the pink hat. The general yeah. consensus oh, yeah. is you need to uh, ride motorcycles, but we'll let mm-hmm. you slide. Oh yeah. Yeah. It is a gang. It is, yeah. Okay. We're I, hunted, I go electric. We're hunted by the FBI for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Great start. <laughs> Great start. <laughs> no. Yeah. But that's originally how it, it was founded, but yeah. uh, you're in dude. You're in. How's it feel? It feels, it feels good. It D- does. Does it feel cute? I'm not going to lie. Feels pretty special, yeah. Right? Yeah. It's nice. Awesome. Cute boy gang member. Yeah, dude. How you been, man? Yes. A good man. Um, busy, tired, very good, very excited. Yeah. Got a lot of stuff that's been happening over the last few months. Yeah. You know, it just popped. Oh, I've been watching. I've been seeing you in the top 10 with Man from Toronto on Netflix. Bro, isn't awesome. that cool? Awesome, bro. I, I've been super stoked about that. I, You know, we shot that uh, two and a half years ago and I, when- we initially shot it, it was supposed to be a theatrical release. And then uh, Sony sold it to Netflix because uh, they have a first look deal. And I was like, oh, are we still doing theaters? What's happening? Nobody told us anything. Like we were just so in the dark about it. And at that point you start like losing a little faith and you're like, oh, is it, is it gonna be bad? What is it, what's happening? And of course we hit number one around the world in the first weekend opening day on, 
on the third day, I get a text from the executive producer and he's like, bro, 44 million views in three days. Yeah. We're number one around the world in over, what was it like 60 or 70 countries at that point? He's like, and we're still growing. Like, this is just the start. And we're still in the, I think we're still in the top 10 right now. Yeah. Which is crazy. I looked last night. I think you're still up there. It was like eight or something. Isn't that wild? Yeah. What a cool oh, thing. Wild. I mean, I watched it twice in the first weekend. So stop. It was great. Hey, what's up, bro? You want to hang out sometimes? Anytime, dude. Oh, anytime. Break, dude. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was so cool, man. That was such a fun ride, dude. Wasn't it great? Oh my gosh. Yeah. That was so cool fun, one. dude. Congratulations. How Thanks, did that feel? Man. What was that like? Start at the beginning. Love the, it. the auditions. I, so I had actually booked a series for a network and I won't mention any names because I don't want the other actors that ended up taking over to feel bad or anything, but I- They're over there working like we don't. <laughs> <laughs> we don't, we make lots of money, we're fine. Um, but I, I'd booked this series and I just, in my soul, couldn't do it. And I was gonna make lots of money, so much money, it would have been great. But I would have been filming in a location that would have taken me away from LA and I would have had no time to ever do anything else. I would have had like maybe three to six weeks off a year that weren't just holidays. Um, <clears throat> and so that would have been really hard to do anything else. And I, would, I was like, I'll be in my mid to late 30s by the time I get out of this contract and I will be on this network for the rest of my life. Um, and I just... It was the final hour. Like I stayed up till 4 a.m. <clears throat> I was going in to finish the network test. We'd already gotten the offer. And I was just testing with the other uh, actors in the roles. And um, I finally sent an email 30 minutes before the test was supposed to happen. And I go, it was this long drawn out email. And I was like, look, I've spent the entire night stressing about this because I know once I go in, there's no going back. And I'm going to move and... I've got a seven-year contract. And, wow, seven year. Yeah, wow. seven years. And I think it was 22 episodes all produced. So like Ooh. there's no getting out of anything. And I, I was like, I'm at an age where I can still take risks. I don't have a, a kid. I don't have you know family immediate. And I, my responsibility is me. I have to have some, excuse my language, big dick energy right now and be able to take a crazy risk and deny myself the opportunity of taking all the money and the comfort, but to do what we love, you know, and have enough faith in myself to, to take that risk. And it was fucking terrifying. Takes courage. Oh, it, it, once I sent that email, it was like this weight lifted off of mm. me and I called all my mentors and everybody gave me the opposite of the first person's review of like, do it, don't do it, make your own choice. And uh, weight lifted, felt like I made the right choice. And then three days later, they come back with another offer even higher than the last. I was like, bro, <laughs> I don't know. The, the denial was the point. <clears throat> and oh, I said, for the same role. For the same role. Oh God. And I was like, oh God, that's so tempting. That is so <laughs> tempting now. And I was, I was like, no, I, I've got money. I can save it. I'm fine. Next day, another offer for more money comes in. I was like, bro, okay. And I, I'm sitting there on the phone. I'm just like, you guys, I, I, I have to stick with my guns on this. They're like, you, you sure? This is a lot of money. And they're like, I was like, yeah, I, I have to. That was on Wednesday that I had that final offer come through. I was like, it's just not gonna happen. <clears throat> on Friday or on Thursday, the night before, I had the audition come through for a man from Toronto as a man from Miami. I looked at it, I was like, I'm great for this part. This is awesome. 
But at this point, <clears throat> I had all of the fucks that I had left to give just get thrown out in that uh, audition that I just wasted. And I was like, I, this is not going to happen anymore. I'm absolutely passing on this. And I was like, great. I have no ego going into this room. I can just have a fucking blast. And I walked in and I, to this day, I think it's one of my best auditions I've ever had. Mm. I just walked in and I had fun. It was uh, Mary Vernieu, um over at Betty Mae Casting and yeah. uh, Lindsay Chag and all, all of them. And I just had an absolute blast in there. And I walked out, I called my manager. I was like, I'm gonna be honest. That was a great audition. I don't care if I book it, but I think that was one of my best auditions I've ever had. I just had a crap ton of fun and felt madly confident. You know, cut to nothing happens. I'm testing for other shows and better shows that I was more aligned with. And I eventually got a call back three or four weeks later and they're like, oh, your tape went up to producers. Then I went to directors. Then I went to the studio. And I was like, where's the next audition? Don't I need a call back? Don't I need a test with somebody? And they're like, no. No, you're fine. And then cut to, I just finished two more network tests for these other uh, series. And I walked out and I was like, I don't know if this is going anywhere. And I get a call from my manager. He's like, are you sitting down? And I was like, I'm driving the counts. And he was like, all right, good. You can't tell anybody yet, but uh, you just booked it. And I was like, what? He goes, the man from Toronto. You're the man from Miami. I was like, fuck. And I threw my phone at the window of my car and I started honking my horn on Ventura. And I was like, yeah. And just absolutely jazzed to the tits, just through the roof. Amazing. Um, And then of course, four days later, uh, pandemic hits. Mm. No way. Really? Yep. And I'm in a straight panic at this point. I'm like, are we canceled? And they're like, we have no idea. There's Because we started negotiations on the contract and nothing had been signed. We weren't even sure if this movie was going to get made. The month that we were supposed to fly out, uh, obviously this is pandemic. And so nobody's allowed to go back. Um, I think it was like a week into the pandemic, we finally signed the contract, but there's still no guarantee that we were actually going to go back to production. And then they kept pushing dates and dates and dates until finally we get a solid date to fly out. And I was like, it's in, we're great. So that is like the biggest roller coaster I've ever heard of like saying no to like the big one Mm -hmm. and then like getting the, another big one, like nothing happening. And then suddenly the global shutdown and then the global shutdown. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I sent my manager and I were sending back uh, memes that we were making of like books, the biggest project of his life, global pandemic. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Was supposed to be star homeless, (laughs) (laughs) but it worked out. Yeah, dude. And it's, it's awesome that it did. Cause you had such a fun dude. That was probably some of the most fun action Right, like, dude, jumping from the balcony of one uh, in the in the hotel down like two floors, yeah. and like, I'm like, what the hell, dude? Dude, it was amazing. Like, yeah, I was like, well, his reel just got way better. You know? Bro, oh my <laughs> god, I was editing it down the other day, and I was like, that was fucking sick. Dude, nice. so sick. We trained. Uh, I trained with um, a Green Beret, uh, Jack Nevels, and um, Phil Severa, the head of the stunt team, for about a month leading into it. I wanted more time. Uh, and then once we got there, I was training every day mm. between every single take. Yeah. Because I was just absolutely blasted on trying to do every stunt that I possibly could. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask, what? like, how many did you do? And like, how does that work? And do they prevent you from doing some? And yeah, the only, the, um, so Mish Tortovic uh, was my stunt double. 
probably one of the best parkour guys and stunt guys in the world right now. Um, and he was amazing. And he and I would go train together all the time. I think I probably sent about 95% of all of my stunts. Um, like the whole knife fight scene in the storage closet, that was all me. Wow. Um, all the outdoor stuff was all me again. Uh, Mish laid on the ground for me uh, when, <laughs> when it was freezing outside in Canada and we were shooting out there for 12 hours in mm-hmm. sub-zero weather. That's always fun. It was terrible. Uh, yeah. And then uh, Mish also did all the, the major jumping points from, to make that like two-story drop into a six-foot window. Insane. And he did all of that. He was amazing. And, and that initial flip, like I could do a version of it, but it was nowhere near as clean as Misha's. Do you think you like gained a ton of like stage combat skills in that month leading up to it and then during filming also? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. My, I, I had a lot of like cinematic martial arts technique and I trained Taekwondo growing up and, you know, I was fairly confident in parkour. But as soon as I started training with those guys, I realized I, I knew absolutely nothing. Yeah. Well, you're already athletic from from the get-go, just mm-hmm. being right. you. And then I, I remember you, like, can you do backflip right off the bat? Yeah. But I saw, yeah. What was, what's that flip called? I think I saw you just post it like this last week or something. Oh, the, it was like uh, the spinning. Oh, it was a, I think it was a 720 or 900 cork. Yeah. So it's a backflip with uh, two or three spins in the middle. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I'm, insane. I know the name. <laughs> it was fun. It was fun. <laughs> Skateboarding and uh, snowboarding and wakeboarding and all mm-hmm. that. So I know like some of the basic names. Basic moments. But I, I'd love like the, like, 920 corkscrew superman you know dude it's great <laughs> yeah. when you're doing that stuff too it feels like you're either going to break your neck or absolutely have the best time of your life yeah and that's i think that's where like the flow state starts to happen yeah you're like perfect adrenaline dopamine it's yeah, happening right. right now yeah dude it's a, you know it's a muscle it's something that you keep working out over and over you're gonna get it more dialed and, and it's literally coming across dude I don't, there was not a single flaw that I saw in the, in the film. I oh, did. Thanks. Crushed it, dude. Thanks. Yeah. Man. I it was so that. fun. And 95%. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. Well, and you see it too. There's a ton of action, dude. And mm-hmm. he pops up nonstop the yeah. whole time looking good in the suit, dude. Got the golf club, the whole night. It's awesome. By the way, when I auditioned for that, my character had his intro scene and then dies off after the next scene. No way. Yeah. No way. And so by the time we'd finished shooting, I was in till the end of the movie and don't technically die. Yeah. And I was like, what a great rewrite that I just got out here. This is awesome. Okay. <laughs> Sequel. I'm just saying, hey, what's up guys? Netflix, what are you doing? You want to hang out sometime? But how great is that idea too, if you think about it, is the man from Toronto. And then you could literally do spinoffs from men from every single Oh, 100%. City in the world. Literally. AKA Miami. Man from Miami. <laughs> man from Miami. I mean, that oh, yeah. is like. Just putting that out in the universe, man. The, the fans yeah. were really the ones that started that, honestly. They they were campaigning for stuff like that online. Awesome. And I'm just like, yo, I, I'm 100% game for something like that. Oh, yeah, dude. They would love to see it. I would love to see it. Wouldn't that be fun? Dude, it'd be great. You guys would so come fun. out to Miami and film some stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes, please. Yeah. Well, let's go. <laughs> yes, indeed. We're going to have a great time. What was it like working with Woody Harrelson? Bro, what a cool dude. What a, what a legend, you know, I, I didn't know what to expect from Kevin or Woody or anybody on that set. I just knew that I was going to go in there. I was going to work my ass off and I was going to show up, say my lines, do my thing, train my butt cheeks like crazy, and then walk off set and make sure that I had left a good impression. Um, and 
we're in the pandemic, everything's shut down. I finally get the call that we're flying out after I've been training with the stunt guys in the Green Beret for the last month. And you and I trained for a little while. We should talk about that too. We did. We did. Um, Taught him everything he knows. Everything. Oh, there you go. Until he learned everything he knows. It was the man from Brock, really. It was his original name. Brock Anto. Brock Anto. That's actually great. (laughs) (laughs) I want to watch that show. We have that coming. It's the beard thing. Brock Anto. Yeah, that's it. Um, But I, uh, I finally get the call that I'm like flying out and we book the tickets and everything. And I... It's announced that I cannot fly anybody in with me. No assistant, no like Tyler, my my uh, camera guy, producer from all my YouTube stuff. My girlfriend couldn't come out. Nobody. And my actual assistant couldn't make it. They're like, absolutely not. Unless they're working for Sony, nobody's coming out. Wow. Super hard uh, border crossing. It was just, it was wild. But I make it to the plane, check in. I'm like, it's finally happening. This has been six months in the making. And I, I see uh, our buddy Curran, uh, Cur Dog. Oh yeah, yeah. And did uh, I introduce you guys? No, I met him on the plane. But he's like, I know you through Brock, but oh, we've never wow. met. That's awesome. Um, and I love Curran, dude. He's such a nice dude. Dude, so good. He was such Red, a- Red Hood. Red he Hood. plays. He plays Red Hood on uh, Teen Titans. Got Rob, it. Yeah, Robin yeah, yeah. Hood. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard you talk about him for sure, and yeah. obviously, like, yeah, that's yeah. a comic book I just bought. Yeah. Great dude. Yeah. Sorry. Um, and then. Uh, Another guy, Paul, uh, who played, what was the Clint Eastwood movie where he uh, got accused of like blowing up the stadium or whatever it was? Oh, yeah. Um, Richard Jewell? Yeah, Richard Jewell. So Paul, that, he's the guy in that. And we're all like sitting on the plane together and we're talking. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh my God, is that Woody Harrelson over there? And I was like, nice. <laughs> I, was, I, I go, I, I, um, I'm shooting a movie with him. I got to go introduce myself really quick. And they're like, fuck you. (laughs) And I roll up and I'm like, you know, this is a cool moment in my life. I get to meet Woody and like tell him that we're working together. And I'm like, Hey man, uh, you don't know me yet. And he goes, man from Miami. Good to meet you, baby. I just looking on you. You look good, baby. It's good. I was like, what's up, man? What are you doing? Like, how'd you know who I was? Yeah, bro. I looked you up on IMDB. They sent me some videos of you training. You look like a badass. (laughs) I was, so like, I was like, bro, this is awesome. Like, ah, this is so not what I expected. I was just like, just going to do a handshake and a wave and goodbye. And uh, we're sitting right next to each other. And he goes, oh, well, you want some blueberries? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah, I want blueberries with Woody Harrelson. What's up? <laughs> and we're sitting there, we're chopping it up and we're hanging out. And uh, I was asking about like kind of his career and everything that he's done and I was talking about what he was just doing before uh, we started this and came out to do this. He said, oh man, I was out in an agave field and I chopped my Achilles tendon off. And I was like, what the fuck? It's a hard right turn. And he goes, I had 1% of it left on and he sticks his heel on the top of the uh, seat and the back of his ankle is completely just shredded from one of the agave cutter uh, axes. No. And there's stitches going all the way around. And he's like, and it's swollen and it, it's fresh. This was like three oh, days ago. Yeah. He's like, I just got out of surgery and they just put me back together. They said if I'd cut any deeper, I would have had an attendant up in my kneecap. And I was like, oh. bruh, are you going to be able to make this movie? you have so much action in this. And I've been training for a month. He's like, ah, just do it. I'll just, I'll just get out there and make it happen. 
Um, wow. That, that is a it. tough SOB right there. Right? Dude. And he's not he's not 20, he's not 30, he's not 40. He's he's older. Like he's he's been doing this a long time. And for him to just like champ it up like that. What? And then we went into two weeks of quarantine and everybody slowly lost their minds. I mean, that was good for his Achilles heel. hundred percent. Right? Achilles tendon. Yeah. Rest it up. Damn. Jeez Louise. What a badass, right? dude. And then just once we were on set, coolest dude. He was like, what's up, man? You want to hang out? You want to come over after? And we get chewed out by like Sony and some of the 80s every once in a while when we'd hang out outside of our little tents. Everyone, I, everyone's trying to keep it safe. Oh man, we got yelled at so many times. I was like, but weren't you like tested all the time and like oh, yeah. all that? So it's like probably one of the safer places you could be. Easily one of the safest places you could be. We test every day. Yeah. Nasal, spit, every day. Wow. And it, it was the same thing on set with uh, Righteous Gemstones. No really? matter what, these young kids that are like interns or PAs. They're or like 15 years old yelling at yelling you. Yelling at you. Bro. I'm like, I oh. can't breathe. <laughs> I have prosthetics on. I am 200 feet away from everyone in a corner. Why? I, I was fine until you walked over here. <laughs> I was safe. <laughs> Please move away from me. Give yeah. me six feet. I totally That's understand brutal. it. And obviously, you know, in order to keep doing what we want to do, it needed to be done. But yeah, it was... It was it's awful. Yeah. It was a terrible, that part of the experience we had. Um, and, and this is nobody's fault. This is a global pandemic. So I don't want anybody to feel like they're getting called out by any means. We're shooting in the middle of a pandemic. And we had like, I, we had a, I remember this one guy, the sweetest dude in the world. And I don't want to say his job was, but he worked his ass off as was everybody on this set. We didn't see our friends. We couldn't see our family. Nobody could come visit. So we're slowly like, decapitating ourselves on set and just like losing it. And this guy has one thing goes wrong and somebody, you know, there's a breakdown. As soon as we hit quarantine, the heads of each department like really lost touch with each other. And there was a lot of miscommunication that started happening because you're doing it all over zoom calls and there's no like in-person meeting of any kind. So you're hoping that everybody got the same Intel and he missed like, three key pieces of information that they'd like set up a week ago, but never told him. And he lost it on set. You know, it's oh man, four or 5 a.m. We've been shooting for already eight hours at this point. And he's like, nobody fucking told me. And he throws his stuff on the ground. And he's like, I try so hard and I'm working my ass off and I want to make this work. But if you guys don't tell me anything, da, 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 da. Half the crew knew, half the crew didn't. And it was just, it was one of those moments where you're like, this is a pandemic. This is hard. Yeah. This, is a, this is a rough experience, no matter how hard we're working on one of these, these little things. And well, it was not little, it was a lot of money, but it's one of those stressful moments where you're like, yeah. but then Woody came on right after that and was like, what's up guys? What are we doing? And then, Cheers everyone up. Oh, it's so, it so great. Let's just say, uh, obviously we all know Woody likes to smoke weed. It's a great, he is not shy about saying that. Yeah, he's public about that for sure. Totally public. And the, one of the funniest moments that I saw is Woody rolls up. And again, his tendon's been cut off. He's, in, <laughs> he's got no ankle, like Achilles is so toast. <laughs> yeah. And he looks at me and I'm like kind of giving him a rundown of like the action sequence that we, we have together right now. Cause I'd been training and so I know all of my stuff and he just rolled in like three days and was like, well, I don't know what I'm doing. Let's, go, let's wrestle, let's get it. And uh, he's like, what are we doing? And I was like, oh, we got this whole chase sequence. And this is the diving over the edges and like all the major parkour stuff in wow. the atrium. And he goes, well, 
you think I could smoke a little weed? And I was like, why are you asking me, bro? What do I know about you smoking weed on set? And he was like, I don't know. Do I have any lines? I was like, I'm pretty sure you have lines. <laughs> We're yelling at each other right now. He's like, fuck. And then he goes, he goes over to the director, Patrick. And he goes, hey, my ankles kind of hurt. Can I smoke a little weed? <laughs> Patrick was like, Mate, it's fucking, it's 4 a.m. We, we have to fucking shoot this shit or, or, or we're going to lose the, the location. It, 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 no, no, you can't, you can't smoke. <laughs> and it was, it was the funniest exchange that I think I'd seen on that set at that point where I was just like, Woody is clearly in pain. He wants to smoke some weed, gets his mind off things. He's so chill. He's relaxed and everybody's stressed out at this moment. And he's yeah. like, what's up? Guys, <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> I feel the director on that too of like 4 a.m. Just like, let's just get it done. Yep. Like, you're good after. Like, yeah. So you go home, you can smoke all you want. It's yeah. Just make it through this little moment. And I think weed had just become like legalized medically in Toronto at that point. So it was like way easier to access, but it was still kind of like that weird gray line of all the things that were kind of happening around that point. But fun time at 4 a.m. Yeah. Great yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. Great, great memories. Great memories. Thank you, Woody, for the blueberries. Appreciate you, Woody. Yeah. But we did some training too. We did. Yeah. Oh, we did. We did some fun training. We did some live training. Yeah. Tell yeah. us about it. We did some live round training. That was before you'd started training for Man From Toronto, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we, I think at that point we knew you were, were going to be working mm -hmm. and to get you a little familiar, came out and did some handgun training. Mm -hmm. uh it was a lot of fun oh, it was a great time yeah yeah get you familiar with it and everything like i love doing that stuff just because mm -hmm. exactly of what you just did is that's the direction that i would love my career to go a lot more you know action and yeah a lot of fun so prepare you know you don't have to get ready if you stay ready right so exactly <laughs> yeah. yeah so we went out and had some fun with that for sure you're very good at that Oh yeah. We'll, yeah. we'll see me in action too. Really? Yeah. Oh, but I, let's say Brock's seen me in action. Obviously. I've also oh, well, well, seen, well. I've seen both of you in action. <laughs> As a matter of fact, maybe we should have a little trifecta of action was, together sometime. A little three-way action right yeah, here. There's nothing wrong with three ways as long as everybody's contenting. Let's hey, uh, uh, Will, you like some action? We all got action. You want to get a little action with me too? And <laughs> yes. I've been, hey, man. I know. I've been like, I've been telling Brock like every day, like I want to go to a tactical course. I want to go to a tactical course. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's fun. I mean, it's never a bad skill set to have just to familiarize yourself with, you know, Oh yeah. Your, yourself, your weapons, whatever it is, you know, and, and safety is always a number one priority. Yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely like the stories that I think are so cool are like the training the man from Miami, dude. Yeah. The yeah. training, uh, <clears throat> you know, the Navy SEAL special forces, mm -hmm. a lot of military stuff. Um, I mean, it's stuff that's kept our country safe as well. Yeah. You know? Uh, so it's, it's, although we are actors, mm -hmm. um, if you ever get the opportunity to portray somebody in that space, you want to make sure you're doing your due diligence. And that's like oh, why yeah. I'm such a big fan of it. Oh dude. Like if you look at someone like Tom Cruise as like the extreme example, oh, I mean yeah. that they, at CinemaCon, they showed like a 20 minute segment on behind the scenes on mission impossible eight, nine, whatever the new one is. Yeah. And it's like, the director and the producer are being interviewed and they're like, yeah, Tom jumped out of a plane 30 times today. He base jumped 12 times today. <laughs> what and, a legend. Dude. And like, and he did this one stunt with like, it's in the trailer. So it's not really giving anything away, but he takes like a 
uh, motorcycle off a cliff and then base jumps it. Yeah. And it's like he mm-hmm. did that 30 times a day for a week. And like the produ- the poor director and the producer are like sitting there at Video Village just like every time. <laughs> <laughs> Probably the hardest man in Hollywood to insure. But, right, but you heard the story where uh, when they're in uh, Dubai on the side of the building that the insurance company said they would not insure him for that stunt. And he said, great. And then he fired him and then found insurance that would uh-huh. cover him. Well, to, to like That's touch amazing. on That's that. That's a legendary. Dude. 100%. But like t- my reason I brought that up is like, Actors that do that training, mm-hmm. like you on the film, and like Brock has in the past, yeah. like that's real training. Like yeah. it's well, not, it's not like fake training. Like yeah. it's, it's yeah. legitimate and real. It's You're training also, with the best in the world. Yeah. Yes. It's also a respect thing, in my in mm-hmm. my opinion. Also, a true storyteller. Like if you if you want to be a storyteller, do the work. Yeah. And I've I have so many friends, family that are in the military, uh, friends in police force. You know, like. And everything across the board. And I sit there and I've wa- watched films with them. I've watched shows with them. And the second something goes wrong, it's like, what are these idiots doing with this? Yeah. <laughs> like Nobody shoots a gun like that. Nobody does this like that. Nobody, you wouldn't have night vision on with that stuff going on. You'd go blind. And I'm like, I'm yeah. like yeah, dude, I know. <laughs> they don't, <laughs> but like I know. And so it takes you out of it. And then, especially if you're trying to garner that audience mm-hmm. and cater that audience, you're doing yourself a disservice because you're literally shooting yourself in the foot for lack of a better term. Quite literally. Know? Yeah. Like, no, that was like perfect. Literally. Yeah. 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 <laughs> literally, love. You're no. shooting yourself in the foot. Um, th- dude, just to say exactly what is not believable on screen and compliment that, I shot this movie. I won't say which one it is, uh, but it's, it's going to come out soon. And uh, <laughs> there's a moment. We were on set, and I just finished Man from Toronto. So I've been training with the Green Beret that is like, Schwacked terrorists, literally, and like he, he is the hero of heroes, and yeah. he's just like the nicest guy in the world, and taught me everything there is to know about guns. Right? I come off this, and I do this other project, and um, we're on set, and everybody comes around, and the art director or is it set deck, I forget who it was, they had a gun. Right? This is a fake; it wasn't real. There's no bullets that could ever come out of it, but they decide to try and put bullets in and it's a it's a glock right that's the shape that it's in and and a little airsoft cartridge comes out the bottom and they're like okay so just like load the bullets and they're telling the my co-star to load the bullets and she's like yeah yeah i'm just gonna load the bullets and do this this and this oh no and i'm looking at it and i'm staring and i just slowly kind of like start to lose my mind and i go um for uh you you would have to load uh the magazine you'd have to load the magazine. Uh, you're trying to put bullets in the side of a Glock. Okay. And they're, they're like, what? I was like, it's not a revolver. Like you can't put bullets in the side of it. And they're like, yeah, but if you just shove it in, I go, where? Where would you put the bullets? And they're like, but you just shove them in the side. I go, where? Is the, do you see a spot where you can <laughs> load these big bullets in on the side? And they're like, oh. I go, you have, to, you have to take the magazine out. And they're like, yeah, but it's gonna take too long. I go, then don't load the bullets on in the frame. Exactly. Don't do that. Just pretend it's already loaded. I was like, or do it off frame. Yeah. And uh, they were like, and I go, also, nobody's talking about gun safety right now. We should probably have a little meeting really quick. (laughs) Is this a live gun? Because I haven't seen the inside of it. And then they like, they start, we finally go over some gun safety and then like, they try and load it. And I I literally, I I had to say, I was like, hey, we have to stop. 
we have to stop shooting right now. You can't, you can't load bullets in a Glock into the side of it. You have to take out the magazine and load them into the magazine. And they're like, yeah, but wouldn't it just be kind of fun to see? I go, no, literally not a single person is going to understand what's happening right, right. now. Zero fun. And I was like, you're going to have to cut this entire scene out of the movie. By, by the way, that's hard to do too. Yeah. Like loading the magazines hard. It, your fingers just feel yeah. like crap after. <laughs> yeah. It hurts. Yeah. I, did, I did one day uh, at a tactical training course. I did 800 in one day, 45 oh. rounds. Oh. My thumb was peeling off, dude. Dude, you must have had the craziest blister on your finger. It was t- it literally all my skin peeled off. And I was like, and then I saw my uncle the next day who I was with. Uh-huh. And he had like already day one a uh, Band-Aid on there. Nice. Because he knew, you know, he'd been there before. I was like, Thanks for the warning. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks but, for the heads up. But it is that, you know, you can put one in maybe in the chamber if there's not one in there, right. but that's, it, that's, that's what I'm saying. It takes you out of it, dude. It totally does. And that's not even from somebody that knew, like I'm proficient in guns, but even if I didn't know, I would be like, what's wrong with well, this? So I had, right. the, I had yeah. the same Logically. exact, yeah. I had the same exact experience on a different set, but with poker. And I'm sitting there, not one single, and I like poker, dude. You know, like it's, it's a fun game to watch. I used to watch it with my uncle when I was growing up. You know, mm-hmm. he, he didn't even gamble, but he was a fan of, you know, because it's a, one, it's a great game, but also you have, there's a chance if you're intelligent yeah. to know, learn more about the odds and there's, goes on and on. Anyways, you make fun, money. Exactly. Fun game. And I sat down on this set, right? And I'm helping a friend out and we're having a good time. And I look around and I'm like, who's, who's setting this up? Because everyone's got cards in their hands. Yeah. And that could be anything. Some of them, they're holding seven cards. Some of them, are, I'm like, yo, this is five card Texas Hold'em. What are we doing here? Everyone has their own color chips in their own pile. So I was like, that's not how you play. <laughs> like, yeah. You've got different chips that represent different numbers. You know, <laughs> right. we need to have evenly split I pots. Blue, or whatever. You have red. <laughs> exactly. And yeah. I'm like, I'm like, does anyone in here play poker? I had to literally like, and they wanted to play the, the game uh, down. No one knew how to play it. So they wanted it to be in the scene to like equal this one person winning. I was like, I had to literally <laughs> set up every single deck so that it was perfectly lined up for everyone, like to do the order that they wanted. And I had to fix it. I was like, dude, it's not how this works. <laughs> I just want to know like who, where did the breakdown happen where they're like, this seems like a good idea. I don't uh, know anything about it. That's yeah. great. We should put it in. Uh, yeah, I don't know, dude. It's the idea of it is cool, right? But then the execution is you have to be able to execute. You got to be able to make it work. Otherwise, it's not believable. Then what are we doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're playing make-believe, but we're trying to make you believe the story. Yeah, if you can't suspend disbelief as the audience <laughs> member because the bullets are being loaded from heaven Can and you- <laughs> poker is being played with 40,000 different chips. Dude, we <laughs> should recreate a scene one day where it's like everything you could do wrong. We do it. <laughs> one, playing so terrible fun. poker, loading guns, doing like, yeah. <laughs> like just everything. You drink milk instead of water, but you throw it off to the side and you're like, I forgot how my mouth works again. <laughs> just- <laughs> lots of options here. Lots of options. We just keep going. The well, dumb and dumber. That's the dumb and dumber. The, oh, throwing the, the salt, salt over the yeah. shot. <laughs> well, uh, I actually wanted to, to piggyback off of um, what you said about training and doing it justice. And like, you know, yeah. rep- we're representing people in film oftentimes that are like uh, real in some form or fashion, or we're yeah. representing their profession in some form or fashion. Um, and it's acting. You know, it's all make-believe. We're all here. We're telling stories. And I'm not really an assassin. I'm not really any of these people. It's, it's made up. But I want to be able to have a moment where people believe that I am the man from Miami on screen. 
where I'm so proficient in my gun handling skills and my beating somebody to death with a golf club skills and knife skills that they're like, yeah, yeah, that guy, I would be, I would be, I would be afraid to get stabbed by him. That would be, that'd be a stressful moment. Yeah. But um, that, but that heightens the scene that heightens totally. the story and then yeah. it makes it more engaging, more entertaining. Mm-hmm. If you don't, if you lose that and it's like, this guy's flopping around a knife and he doesn't look yeah. like he knows what he's doing, then I'm not yeah. really intimidated, you know? hundred percent. I want to feel scared. Yeah. Well, I trained with um, uh, Jack Nevels, right? So he he's a Green Beret, tactical sniper, medic. Just the dude is- Badass. Oh my God. Shout out to Jack. Jack, what's up, baby? And Phil Silvera, who coordinated me with Jack, and those he's the second unit director and stunt coordinator on uh, Man from Toronto. Micah and um, Tony- I mean, all these guys were amazing. And Jack was essentially who I modeled everything about the man from Miami off of as far as his proficiency and his skill sets. Smart. Mm. Very, it, it made it so much easier. It was like I, no acting necessary. I just follow and do exactly what Jack does. And Jack's the real, real fucking deal. Like he's, he's, I wish I could tell the stories that he's told, but like, there's, there's moments in history that he was a part of and making sure that bad things didn't happen. And also, like, it's I'd very easy to believe that, like, Netflix would get one of the top people. Oh, right? yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, 100%. And we're, we're sitting there on set, and he's... I actually did the uh, Briars Migs. Oh, Briars Migs. Myers Briggs. Myers Briggs <laughs> word. Tell oh, me you about Briars Migs. Myers Migs. I did yeah, the. Yeah, uh, we talked about it, yeah. I did the Myers Briggs test with him. I've done that for myself, but I was like, Jack, what would? Let's do this together. I'm doing it from a, like a storytelling perspective, but I want you to help me answer these questions from a perspective of if you were this guy and a bad version of it, like the the worst sociopathic version of yourself. Yeah, And so we went through and did it and like, oh my God, it was so crazy. Like some of the answers that we came up with was so much fun and the backstory and then getting into it and then finally leveraging that into my fighting style and working with Phil on my fighting style and Patrick Hughes. And they're like, inform, I've informed the characters different style of fighting into being really like brutal and savage and like opening with the golf sequence rather than initially it was like a, a shot. We shoot somebody from a distance. Oh, wow. Then it turned into, let's beat somebody to death with a golf club to show how crazy and psychotic this character is. And then shoot somebody that sprinted down the field about a quarter mile. And I saw fans reposting the heck out of that. Right. They love the golf club, dude. (laughs) It was so fun. That's like really top-notch, like advanced character study work. Mm -hmm. Right? That's like- Yeah. To build out those backstories and to answer those questions. I mean- Howie, it's so cool hearing that. Right? Right, yeah. It's like you're really building that guy out for sure. Dude, it's it's the most fun part of it because there's, I mean, I would never do that. I, you know, I think of myself as a fairly tough person, but when I stand next to Jack, I'm like, I'm nothing. <laughs> <laughs> he would absolutely get my butt cheeks handed to me. And Well, 99.9% of the world would, right? Yeah. <laughs> like with, with him, yeah. With the real deal, when you're standing there next to the guy and he's the sweetest dude. So nice. His kids are sweet. They watched Jesse and they're like, you know, they liked me and that made it, it was just like a bromance the entire time. And, but to have that access to make something believable is like, it's the next level. It is, it's the next level of storytelling. And then I represented him on screen in a way of showing proficiency in his weapons handling, even though I, I totally screwed up in so many different ways. 
but it was still way better than what I would have done had I stabbed a knife into a wall and some terrible handling and all the things. You know? I mean, you're learning a massive amount in a short amount of time too. So it's still, and that's not something like, that's something that people train their whole lives to perfect and get right. And yeah. you know, when your life is on the line, it's a whole different ball game. Mm-hmm. The stakes are higher, right? Oh, so yeah. doing it justice is is difficult, but it's also more rewarding when you get it right, I think. Oh yeah, so much more rewarding. Yeah. And people might not realize too, like I love that example of the golf, I mean, the golf club. Hey, hey little let's golf go, baby. Club. <laughs> but it's like, that's how detailed like storytelling and films are. Mm-hmm. Every single frame, there has to be a reason why things happen the way they do. Yeah. And I love how you said proficiency with the weapons because mm-hmm. it's like, that's what makes it believable. Yeah. And like adding the golf club in, it, it it's even comes down to like, do you swing it sidearm or do you swing it over top, right? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. that's how detailed you can get with character studies and, and planning a shot. So so I love hearing that, especially yeah. for like an action scene. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Off that note too, that reminds me of uh, the film you did, Dope Queens. Oh yeah. Where you played a meth addict, right? Yeah, yeah. Tell me what it was like losing that weight. Cause it was crazy to watch you do it. Yeah. Uh, that, that was one of the more brutal, uh, weight and body transformations that I've ever done. I would say amongst the worst, I, I put on 45 pounds for a football roll one time and that was hard. It was stressful and I was sweating every time I'd eat. And now this was the exact opposite where I went from 215 pounds to 167 pounds in about wow. three and a half weeks. That's six, five. Yeah. Wow. Not, not great for the kidneys. I'm sure. I'm sure I've got yeah. some sort of problem. I, I pretended in my head, I was like, I'm doing this the right way. It's fasting. I'm creating autophagy and hormesis inside of my body and I'm going to live forever. <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to live forever. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I actually shaved off years of my life doing it. Cut but, to you on the treadmill. I'm dying. <laughs> I'm slowly dying. I, so I was shooting another movie at the time that I had booked this one. And so I had a two-day gap between wrapping that movie and then flying out to start shooting this one. And I started um, calorie restriction on the last week of that movie. And then as soon as I had that turnaround, I stopped eating entirely for four days and I went strictly to cardio uh, and would only drink black coffee and green tea. Wow. And... uh I would run for two hours in the morning, go to rehearsal, and then two hours at night and do a fitting. Were you doing those in like sweatsuits too? Yeah, Yeah. sweatsuits. And I would, I dropped about fifteen to twenty pounds ish in that in that week window. I need to get on that program. Oh, it was was so terrible. But I, I I wouldn't be able to run two hours if I didn't eat the day before. I've never felt the mental fatigue that I felt when I was like that. It was it was a very strange feeling because. probably really, really terrible for my body. Um, But like Saxon would call me and she, you know, she's wanted to like talk and catch up. And I wanted to too, but I was so irritable and could barely hold a conversation. And I, I remember I'd be on the Stairmaster or the uh, um, elliptical and I'd literally be hanging my head off to the side (laughs) and I just, I'd feel my legs moving and I would just do this for two hours and she'd call and she's like, are you okay? And I was like, no, I'm not. I, yeah. I can't, I can't use words anymore. And then we got to the first day of shooting and they're like, you look like you've been doing so much math. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> thank you. It just, probably would have been easier. Honestly, it sh- yeah. I should have just done that. Cause it, it was so, 
insanely difficult. And then for the rest of the movie, I, I continued to lose weight. And I would eat um, either, I would have a quarter cup of lettuce with apple cider vinegar and salt throughout the day, or I would uh, have some seaweed. Could you not do like, like uh, just chicken breast? Like it's too many calories. Really? Yeah. Uh, and I, I didn't eat, That's eat gnarly. Uh, yeah. for like, I, w- I think it was like almost two weeks into the shoot. I didn't have like any protein or anything like that. Cause I was still wow. like, I went from 215, but I was at 190 by the time we were almost about to shoot. And I was like, I gotta, I gotta get down under 170. So I made it to 167 by the end of the shoot. I just stopped keeping track. Dude. It felt terrible. It, I could, I could it sounds a lot better than what, like Rob McElhenney from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that show? Oh, or, yeah. So like, I love the article with him. He's like, how did you gain weight? <laughs> well, I ate pizza and M&Ms and Butterfingers. And oh, yeah. Just like, <laughs> I got fat. Like, yeah. I just oh, 100%. Ate. Um, and then, yeah, to like, but he didn't like lose it at that rate, obviously. But like that, I mean, dude, that's like, Christian Bale and Machinist. Leto. Yeah, all those guys. I mean, that's like some top yeah, notch. McConaughey, yeah. McConaughey, another good one, yeah. I literally watched all their interviews, especially when I felt like giving up. I would just turn on one of their interviews and just like try to get hyped off of it. Yeah. And I watched this YouTube series called Soft White Underbelly because the, the Dope Queen story takes place over like a 24-hour window of time uh, where three friends inside of the Tenderloin District in San Francisco, which is- Oh yeah, I know it well. Yeah, very, it's the red light district, you know, it's- South of market right mm-hmm. there. And they're essentially flipping tricks for drugs and it just absolutely derails into this crazy scenario. Uh, and I don't want to give away the ending or anything like that, but this is a real story. It was based on real people and it was, uh, my character was based on the director. And there's a lot of things like told for fictional purposes. What time period? 2000 and, I want to say like five or six or seven. Okay. So that was like the year I moved out of San Francisco, basically. Oh, really? Yeah. I lived there from 90 to 2004. Wow. Um, For grade school, middle school. Might've seen the director walking around. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Very well could have. Dude. Yeah. That's not right. Cause the tenderloin, like, I don't know if people know, it's like, literally a part of like the main part of the city mm-hmm. and it's you'd be union square and then take a wrong turn and you're in it. Yeah. It, it's, yeah. and you've got prostitutes walking the street and they're, by the way, they were super nice. we shot in the tenderloin. You guys shot. Oh, you shot in the tenderloin. Oh yeah. Wow. It, and it, in the exact places that all these events actually took place. Wow. Um, and we took over an old, uh, I think it was like a, kind of like a drag queen bar. It was like three or four stories tall and it was, it was amazing. So there's so much history and like love put into this project. Um, and just to have that, that opportunity to go back there and then like actually connect. He was like, Oh yeah. Remember that person. Like we, wow. we hung out that one time and they're still here. It's crazy. It's, you know, wow. it's, a, it's an amazing story and his, his journey to being who he is now successful and fantastic and a great person and not saying he wasn't back then but like he went through a really dark night of the soul trying to figure himself out literally first day i show up on set uh a guy that's strung out coming off of a a bender uh rolls up on set pulls a pen out of his pocket and starts trying to like stab people on set and like security like walked over and tried to like manage him off and he like came towards me and i was like you know i grabbed everybody i was like all right we gotta we gotta take a quick break because like 
I think we got to figure out this, this scenario <laughs> of people trying to stab us in the middle of shooting something. Yeah. We got something going on. Yeah, we got to figure this out a little bit. Um, and then like we're, I'm rolling down the street asking him questions about his life and like talking about it with him and, you know, informing some of the character. Again, it's fictionalized versions of these stories. And we were rolling past about to grab some food down the street. And then all of a sudden uh, some guy sprints out of a uh, mom and pop shop holding a wallet, a bag, and a bunch of shit that he just stole. And he pushes out, like, two dudes fall over on the side of the street. A lady's, like, running after him, screaming. And the rest of the world just keeps going with their life. And I look, and I'm like, bro, what's happening? The cops look over. (sighs) Take a breath. They kind of walk over to the lady. They, like, take her information and then walk away. Didn't try to chase a guy down or anything. But I was talking to him. I was like, bro, like, what? What just like, how did nobody try and stop that? He's like, you got to understand out here is, is a different part of the world Yeah, where, cause people are literally shooting up with like copious amounts of like speed and everything else right there, right on the street. And you're crossing over like a needle or a guy that's literally got a needle in his arm. And he's like, can you see what's happening around you? And he's like, so this is a world of its own. And those cops aren't necessarily doing the wrong thing by not chasing him. But you've got to know that like, if they chase him, there's another guy right here that's shooting up that might pull a knife and try to stab this lady really quick. Yeah. You know, there's, there's so many crazy scenarios where he, they have to make decisions based on these specific scenarios. Well, I'm glad that part of the city is getting, you know, a lot of awareness brought to it with the project, right? Yeah. I think it's really important to, you know, raise awareness on those areas and you know try to hopefully lead to change yeah well and it's such a crucial part of like mental health and homelessness is like you know that's that's a brutal process that i think you know the government needs to step in and help these people in a huge way where we've left a massive part part of society to fend for themselves when mentally they're not hello they're not like they're not like you know aware of the world around them in a way that they're coherent enough to take care of themselves or the people there or their family or their friends. So we need to like support that and, and grab them, you know? And it's also just not safe. Like there could be like a little kid or, that's walking down the street and trips on a needle and boom, they've got whatever that person that just shot up has. A lot of work to be done. Yeah. But it starts with awareness with films mm-hmm. like these, you know, it's yeah. good. Create empathy. You know, I think that's a big part of the storytelling process. Yeah. Acting is empathy, right? Yeah, we try anyways. Try definitely try. Have either of you guys gone out for Walking Dead at any point? I went out for the Walking Dead in the past, a long time ago, and the spinoff series. That was a that was a while back. While back, mm-hmm. I like recently just got really into it, <laughs> and like it's you know obviously it's like I don't know how to describe it. Like I wouldn't put it on the level of like Breaking Bad. Yeah. Or or like True Detective season one, like we were talking about. Yeah. But it's still, I understand the appeal and why it got so big. And like, I, like, I don't, I never like cry during like movies or shows, but obviously I get emotional. I'm not a robot. Yeah. I'm just like not a big crier. Yeah. Like, unless it's like Gladiator <sighs> oh, <laughs> or like exactly. The Patriot, yeah. you know, or yep. anything with Mel Gibson really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 100%. <laughs> but like with that scene in season three, it's like at the prison mm. and they have you guys seen it? Yeah. 
Yeah. So like yeah, when I, basically I, when the mom, when they lose the mom and they have to do the C-section and he like comes out with the baby and he like realizes what's happening, I'm like tearing up just thinking about it. I can't oh, talk man. about it. But it was like, I just watched it this morning and I was like a wreck during that scene. Oh yeah. Like just broken. Yeah. Like. Absolutely. I, one of my favorite things about that show was I didn't know what it was when it first came out. You know, obviously, you know, you know, Walking Dead or whatever. Yeah. You, they, you get the gist of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the way they started it with him like passed out in this dystopian, destroyed oh, yeah. society, you know, he's just got his like revolver and he's like trying to get what, figure out what's going on. And you, you're like, did this guy just wake up from a, a bomb, a coma? Like oh, what, yeah. what just happened? And then they take you on this wild ride. Into the into Atlanta and like yeah. hiding under the tank and like um, so cool so yeah brilliant execution especially in the Absolutely. first season I Saxon's little sister was in the first season she was like yeah. the the little girl that everybody wanted to kill which was hilarious because like she's so sweet in real life <laughs> but in this show like people hated her wow she was like a little sociopath and then like you meet her in real life and she's just the sweetest thing and gets like random threats online. You're Dude. like, you were awful. I hated you. <laughs> I'm like, acting. It's like, like it's Joffrey. Acting. It's that's, acting. that's how you yeah, know Joffrey. they're a, ga- a great Joffrey. actress. Yeah. yeah. Like that kid <clears throat> quit acting because of all the threats he got from Game of Thrones. No way. He quit. Yeah. He, in his I interviews, he was, seemed like the sweetest guy in the world. Dude, he, he seems so cool, man. Yeah. And that's what's crazy is like, imagine that, like you're playing a character. You're so good at this character acting. that people genuinely hate you. Yeah. It's acting. Like also, that is impressive. That's, you know, you're good. Right. Yeah. Great villain. Absolutely. But it's sometimes the pressure of that is not worth, you know, your daily life doxing and the whole nine. You know what I mean? Getting just shit on online. People can get brutal. Yeah. It's rough. You got to have a thick skin. I think if you really want to be in the public eye in any fashion, I think. Yeah. But, you know, or if you don't. That's why TMZ exists, and it's very entertaining, I think. It's extremely entertaining. Not that I find it entertaining. I'm just saying. I would never watch TMZ. <laughs> it's on in the I background. Do. I'm like, I'm <laughs> sitting here on my phone. Low-key, like, TMZ is one of my main sources of, uh, at least in the industry, you know, of uh, news. Really? Yeah. I really, like, I really enjoy keeping up with them. I'm not going to lie. It's like the Kardashians. Just, yeah. Well, just they've become, like, a very big entertainment news source like they have people everywhere oh yeah mm-hmm. and they're usually the first on the scene so like it does make sense i mean obviously it's like good to get a mix in i don't even know if you're serious or not right now but <laughs> if you are like they Yo, really are honestly, like on top of everything up until this point tmz has been great to me so i'm a fan of tmz okay shout out yeah, same. Yeah, shout yeah, out. yeah, yeah. good so. good they tried roasting me for my skinny legs one time and then like uh three of the other reporters in the room were like did do you even do squats? The guys that were roasting me and <laughs> yeah. they were like, no. And he was like, this guy's fine. Let him have skinny legs. He's, yeah, his man. legs are fine. And I was like, thank you. That's yeah, happened to me a that. couple of times with uh, some of those guys. It's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's entertaining at least. Like I said, you know, if you, if you're willing to go into it, like yeah. uh, as a joke and you can make fun of yourself too. And just like, you know, we're all Own human, it. dude. It's like, you're yeah. not, nobody's perfect. Just go have fun. Like, yeah. You know? I, the the imperfect part is the most fun part of all of us. Yeah. Right. And that's what makes us interesting. Otherwise be just like grayscale everywhere. Yeah. And it's all good either way. You know, I don't know. It's a good way to put it. I just think if, if somebody's out there talking bad about you, that's about them. You, they're just fans. That's they're it, giving yeah. you lots of attention. Just angry least. little fans, dude. Yeah. 
And you're like, wow, you've commented so much on my post. Thank you for boosting my algorithm. Thank you for right. the engagement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who was that Cardi B? Like, thanks to all my haters. Cause you know, they, they be downloading all my songs too. And making me money. All the I'm YouTubers. Like, yeah. All the YouTubers are like monetize your haters. That's like mm-hmm. the saying. Yeah. Because yeah, they're, they're viewing, they're commenting, <clears throat> it's engagement. Yeah. Dude, Jake Paul has like the number one most hated video, music video in the world. And I think I've seen made, that. How much money did he make Millions off that? Millions off that. Millions. Really? Of had to. For have. sure. Just off of like the merch that he sold and everything else. Dude, genius. The views. Those kids are on a different level, man. I mean, Jake yeah. Fresh. Jake and Logan, dude. I, I actually They're really so like smart. those guys, man. Yeah. They're, by the way, in person, so nice. Great guys. So nice. Yeah. Their persona online, totally different. Absolutely. They are the like masters of pushing your buttons and limits, dude, of like, and it's, you know, look at Conor McGregor. That's like how he blew up. Yeah. Right. I mean, you're in entertainment, right? Yeah. Might as well entertain. I've I've never met him, but we were leaving Equinox one time and one of them was walking in and you like stopped to say bye while I was like getting a protein shake for us. Yeah. Logan, I think. Okay. Logan, honestly, man, like, cause he came into this town about the same time I was kind of getting here and we did Mm -hmm. some stuff in the beginning and I just didn't want to go down the influencer route, like that rabbit hole of creating content like that. And I saw what he was doing and it was working. But the crazy thing is there are a lot of people who have made, you know, tens of millions of dollars, had tens of millions of followers as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just kind of cap out a little bit. You see it. Yep. He and, you know, Jake as well have been able to literally transform whatever. Like, dude, he's a WWE superstar right now. Anytime they hit a wall, they're like, all right, great. Let's, let's maneuver. Wall, more like a, a step. Let me, let me get a little stepping stone. <laughs> this is a step ladder, guys. Like, let me fight Floyd, and then I'm going to become a WWE superstar. Dude, and he held his own. By the way, he looks great in that yellow and black spandex. Stud with his Pokemon Hot. card <laughs> necklace. <laughs> Bro, what a stud getting Dude, out there. He's the Imagine. man. I'm, I'm a big fan of, of Logan. When I, um, so when I first met uh, Logan, I was dating Victoria at the time. We just finished No Kiss List. And Victoria um, Justice. Victoria Justice. There you go. I just had for the for the fans. You get I was dating Victoria Justice at the time. And uh we just finished No Kiss List and we were doing press and we went to the MTV movie awards. And this was back when like everybody showed up to everything and Vine was just starting to pop off and Logan had I think he'd been out in LA for two weeks at this point. And um I see him in the after party and I'm like, oh bro your vines are fucking awesome. And he was like, oh, thanks, dude. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, so what are you, what are you doing here? He's like, I don't know. I just got the invite. It's great. It's, it's awesome though. He's like, is that Victoria Justice? I was like, oh yeah. Do you want to meet her really quick? And he's like, yeah, 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 yeah. What's up? So like he walks over and then I, <laughs> Logan's clearly trying to get her, get her info. And Victoria loved me at the time. And so she was very kind about letting Logan off on a, on a nice, on a nice number. But Logan and I exchanged info and then we became homies ever since. Mm, yeah. And, uh, yeah. You'd be like, here's my number though. Here's my number. I, <laughs> I think you're hilarious. My friend let's, let's do stuff. So funny. You thought you had a chance. <laughs> no chance on me. Good. Slide back out of those DMS. That's yeah. great. That's hilarious. That's pretty cool, man. Yeah. But fucking that kid has made an entire career out of just leveraging bad things. Oh yeah. You know, it's like, he doesn't take a, it's never a bad, a bad moment for him. He's like, it's, a, it's bad that it happened, but I know how to make it work for my benefit. Yeah. Like life is happening for him, not against him. There's a level of intelligence there that is just like being able to 
figure out a way to turn any negative into a positive, right? So, and it's hard, especially when people yeah. are just roasting you online for being a piece of shit. And you're like, but, but I'm not. Don't you think once you get like that big though, it's, it's almost like, especially with like YouTube or whatever, you can just like anything you put out is going to get X amount of views. Mm-hmm. And I'm not like trying to diminish what he did at all. I'm just saying like, no matter what you do, it's going to get tons of views because you've already built yourself to that level. Mm. Right. Yeah. But it takes work to get to that level. Right. I would say like a of course, big of producer. Course. Right. So you have your projects you start off with. Not all of them are going to be a hit right off the bat. But sometimes they are. Mm-hmm. And then you keep growing and then you learn. So you, when you, by the time he's gotten to that point, all the work that has been put in, in any level, all you're like crazy risks. You're hyper, exactly. You're hyper yeah. aware, I would say, of what you're putting out. I mean, even I feel this way with, and I, my following is not anything anywhere near that, right? But I'm hyper aware of what I'm putting out because of one, the perception. But it's still gigantic. I mean, yeah. it's, you, yeah, you're a humble you know. person. I won't say that, but. <laughs> But Much it's larger than Gary out in Minnesota. Yeah. Well, right. shout out to Gary though. Yeah, he's <laughs> um, a oh, I thought, I thought I, that was like a random metaphor. It is. <laughs> it is totally. <laughs> <laughs> you thought right. You definitely you are correct. Right. I'm catching up to the inside jokes. I'm yeah. like <laughs> figuring out which ones. No, but yeah. So you, I mean, there's an awareness there. So it's like when you're putting out content, knowing it's going to be digested by millions of people, mm-hmm. your approach to it, I think is a little different. And also, you know, you got to think, 10, 10 steps ahead at that point too of like, okay, well, maybe mm-hmm. I'll put out this thing right now, uh, but it's going to equal a WWE sponsorship later down the road. Yeah. You know? And not just like him going in and, you know, showing up. It's kind of like, dude, think about The Rock. The Rock leveraged his uh, WWE uh, f- stardom. Fame, yeah. yeah. And then got <laughs> the highest paid actor, first time role, $5 million for his role in uh, The Scorpion King. Stop. Swear. No way. First time ever acting, ever. <laughs> Made $5 million. Here's the thing. Because he's a superstar. Right? I love The Rock. That was a terrible moment. <laughs> I'm the biggest, I, you know how, yeah. how much I love The Rock. He's yeah. like my idol. Dwayne's the man. The, the Scorpion King. How did you get paid $5 million for Scorpion King? I don't know. Dear God. And that, yeah, that's like. Genius. Absolutely, yeah. dude. And I've I've loved following uh, his his career path too. Not only as like a fan of him, but mm-hmm. but watching like there's so many moments in my own career where I was like, look, I'm going to stick to my guns. I'm going to stay true to myself. I've been yeah. in these meetings with these big agencies. I remember when I first came, I had no acting experience and no business getting a meeting probably with some of these big agencies. Yeah. And I remember going in and they had like heads of every department, you know, uh, acting, Mm -hmm. television, I mean, TV, film, uh, social media, like every commercial, everybody you think of that was in there. And I go in, they're like, so where do you see yourself? And I was like, well, you know, I think uh, I want to be different, you know, than everyone. But at the same time, like I love, you know, The Rock's, you know, uh, uh, career. And I love the way Mark Wahlberg does business. And I love the way Brad Pitt's image. Like I just had this whole thing planned out in my head, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Laughed out of the room, dude. What? Laughed out of the room, right? And then flash forward, you know, to like a year ago where I was like, dude, I'm I'm all about staying true to myself, mm-hmm. working my butt off and like doing everything it takes to make this happen. And then you hear someone like Dwayne Johnson who had the exact same experience. Yeah. He and he's did. like, I'm going to be the highest paid actor in Hollywood. And then he went and did it. And so imagine, yeah. like, I'm like, well, at least I feel even more, not, even if I didn't know that, 
Mm-hmm. I have a confidence in myself of I'm willing to do all of the work it takes and make yeah. the sacrifices to get there. So at least I know that, right? Yeah. I, and I believe in it. Doesn't mean it's going to happen. Doesn't mm-hmm. mean it's going to come true, but I believe in it and I'm going to do everything in my power to get there. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So seeing people that have gotten there and have similar experiences, it only fuels my fire, I think, even more. And, you know, it's everybody gets told no. Mm-hmm. everybody has bad days and you know not everyone is where they want to be all the time but at the same time i think showing up with the gratitude that you even have the opportunity to do to wake up in the morning and then take every take it from there is kind of a, a really cool thing what do you think the the biggest no that either of you has taken oh biggest no if if you have it i don't on the line, <laughs> I, nobody I would, tells me no what are you no. talking about um, if you guys how about this? Like I'll start small with something mm-hmm. that happened recently in order to make this comic. Right. I had to reach out to literally about a hundred artists. Mm-hmm. 99 of them are exclusive with Marvel or DC. Mm-hmm. There, there's like a huge monopoly on the top artists. And I found one that was like in between his contract. Right. So I think that was more of like, a crap load of no's in a row for the same thing mm-hmm. that ended up being one giant no process of like getting told no a million times and then finally finding one. Um, so I think that's like the most recent one I can think of that is my best example of like, just stick with something. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I could have given up after 30 no's and been like, yeah. okay, I'm not going to find someone. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, but yeah, go for it. Yeah. I mean, I don't really have a singular biggest no that I can think of. Mm-hmm. It is kind of what Will was saying. And that's this, I had this really awesome conversation with this guy yesterday at this, uh, this uh, event I was at. And we were just talking about mindset and, you know, what we did. The guy was in a, worked in a totally different space than I do. And he said, oh, I heard this conversation one time. And it was a really cool way to look at it this, from this actor's perspective. He's like, you know, you get told no all the time, right? What if you started looking at it as I'm 25 no's away from that yes? Wouldn't you be rushing to get all those no's? Mm -hmm. You know, when you run out, like, yo, give me those 25 auditions right now because I'm going for that yes. You know what I mean? And it changes your perspective and, and the way that you approach things. And I think that's a great way to look at it because failure is inevitable. Yeah. And it's how you react to that failure that changes the game for you and how you show up in the world and then also getting to where you want to go. Because if you choose to let that failure determine whether you're going to keep moving forward, then you're never going to go anywhere. But if you decide like, oh, that's an opportunity to more intelligently begin again. How can I do this better? How can I get more opportunity? How can I get closer and closer to that? Yes. What is that? It's the same thing with inventing, same thing with acting, you know, with any business. It's it's being able to take those, you know, temporary failures and turn them into success. Yeah. Also with the horror film, finding a distributor, you know, we thankfully ended up with Vertical Entertainment, who I love, and they were awesome. amazing. And we uh, you know, were able to actually like turn the film into a success um with them and with their guidance. But, you know, that's another twenty or thirty no's from other distributors that we received yeah um but obviously like we went for the top ones it wasn't you know it wasn't like yeah start big and narrow down from there 100 percent. and like i think vertical was like perfect for independent films Mm -hmm. um so yeah but yeah great partnership is it so fun work with them dude they're really on top of everything they did a great job 
dist- distributing it. And um, oh yeah, honestly, like yeah, I think they crushed it. Yeah, over yeah. seven countries <clears throat> and counting DVDs, Hulu. Oh yeah, hell yeah. Yeah, yeah. Did they do uh, European sales first or international? And is that how they picked it up? Sold it internationally and then. One hundred percent. We they had we signed over global rights, um, and they have like a bunch of um, offices in London. Mm-hmm. So the UK was a part of the initial launch, and then we kind of went from there to New Zealand, Australia, um, I think Italy and France. Um, but yeah, yeah, exactly. So I'm That's it- awesome. itching to ask this now. I'm assuming because you asked us, <laughs> go on. <Yeah. laughs> what? But what our biggest nose were. Uh, what was your biggest no? I don't know. I, I don't know. What it, <laughs> I literally, I was just curious. Yeah. Um, no, I, I think, I think to your point of, you know, I, I can look back at every single audition I've ever done because most of them have, you know, some sort of email, you know, timeline. Mm-hmm. And at this point I've probably done, I would say close to, the upper 500 to 1,000 range of wow. auditions in the last 12 years. And I have a super high success rate for actors in my category. And like, I, I book really well. I get constant callbacks. I, you know, I'm friends with a lot of people and that, that all plays its part. But I think if you uh, zoom out too often on, on that stuff, you can look at it and be like, God, this is the worst industry in the entire fucking world. Um, but it's not, it's just a matter of like, keeping perspective on like, it's one of the most sought after industries in the world. Yeah. And there's in, insane competition where there's hundreds of thousands of people fiending after your job. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's, that's like a big no. I've been up for, I think to narrow those two down, I've been up for a Marvel and a DC character, um, two fa- fairly large ones. And, uh, you know, I, I was on the short list for both of them and, they went in a different direction and I was just like, oh, no, yeah. come back. But at least I'm on their short list and that's all that matters. Yeah. Right? Well, it's yeah. huge, Shout right? out to Sarah I mean, fans, yeah. yeah. You got fans and that's, yeah. that's really what you want is if it's not this one, then at least they'll be stoked about another one. And then, and all the top casting directors and everything are like in those rooms with them. All the yeah. producers are, you're right there. Dude, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, just because it's not the right now doesn't mean it's not going to happen later. Now you're yeah. in, because I've, you know. 25 yes. no's left. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I got a few more with uh, the Marvel casting. <laughs> just 25 more. Just yeah. sign me up for 25 of these. Quick, go. No, I actually, you, do you remember? Uh, I think it was before we had met, but I broke my heel years ago, some years ago. Yeah. And I've been dealing with the ramifications of that situation. It was in a Marvel audition. Stop. I went oh, all yeah. out, bro. All out. And I, and I stomped on the ground. I did, dude, I had the acting coach before. I'd oh, yeah. run this for like days on end. I was so confident and I felt so good, dude. Yeah. And so I go in and, you know, they got wood flooring on the ground and I'm looking around. We got multiple cameras, multiple people, right? So I go in and part of the scene was smashing someone's head in mm-hmm. uh, halfway through the scene. I do it. Immediately, I was like, something's not right in my head. Something's oh, not right. No. Something right. I'm like, just get through the scene, get through the scene. So I like, I'm taking a couple deep breaths and I come up and I finish the scene. Right. And then they go, all right, moving on to the next one. And so I put a little, I was like, okay, we had, so we had to do the second scene, Mm -hmm. put a little pressure on it. And I was like, something's wrong. And they're like, what do you mean? Are you okay? And I'm like, I like, it was just literally every second started throbbing a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. And I was like, 
They're like, oh, do you want to take a seat? Do you want to take a minute? And I'm like, so I like sat down as soon as I took pressure off and blood started flowing or whatever happened. It got worse. Yeah. So I limped out to the, they're like, we're going to audition the next guy and we want you to wait and we want you to come back in and do it again. Dude. No chance. By that time, it was so gnarly that I was like, I literally had to be hobbled out, helped by somebody. Somebody had to pull my truck around and uh, help me out to my car. I couldn't walk. And I drive straight to Cedar sinai and I'm there for eight hours <laughs> only to find out I cracked my heel in half in the audition. Uh, Still got a call back. Talk <laughs> about commitment. Uh, yeah, they, they wanted me to see it, but I was, I was all for it. I was literally like, should I just get some pain meds and like just walk in there tomorrow like nothing happened and try to make this thing happen? And I, I just obviously couldn't do that. But yeah, um, and I didn't, I don't even wouldn't want to do that anyways. And I'm pretty sure like, I don't, I don't really take pen meds, but I'm just right. sure I would have been a little slurred on the speech and probably would have, would have <laughs> yeah. been a little slow, you know? Brock comes in. Uh, hey, what's up guys? I'm going to do this audition. Yeah. <laughs> but um, honestly, it was that like, I mean, I know that was a memorable moment. I don't know if it was a good memorable moment, but it was one of those things where, so it turned out the wood floor was concrete um, nice. and nice. I went full on with it and I shouldn't have. It was a yeah. very nice little uh, moment of just like, act instead of like do, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Um, but it was a, it was a great moment of like, I've had so many incredible opportunities to audition with Seraphine and, and mm. with the, their casting. And, and I, you know, like you said, maybe 25 nose away from a yes. But at the end of the day, what you're saying, if you take a look back at all of what you've done, I've done that before. I've taken mm. all of my auditions over and they've gotten, in, they've increased more as I've gone along. Right. And my brand's grown and I've done more work and gotten better at acting. Yeah. But when I first started and I looked at the years, my you there was a literal, you can follow the graph of mm -hmm. like from the timeline uh, and the frequency of uh, auditions to bookings. And it's yeah. like, yo, you if you just keep at it, you're going to keep going up and up and up. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. And like, I mean, I obviously like see it from like a producer's perspective, but like both of you guys are obviously like in those fucking categories for every single one of those roles. Right. I mean, mm -hmm. it's like hands down. Yeah. I had a couple of, uh, things during the pandemic, uh, before I didn't, dude, I had, that was like a very slow year for me just mm -hmm. in general. Oh yeah. Um, and then going what into are the, the pandemic. Yeah. Right. And then I went into the pandemic and then it was like nothing at all. Nothing. And I two remember years. there was one more, yeah, two years of basically the slowest years of my life, mm -hmm. <laughs> but not really, you know, yeah. uh, but, but at the same time, yeah. Um, <laughs> and there was this one show that I auditioned for and I was up for. I felt perfect for it, dude. I was like, this is it. And I had learned it was one of Netflix's biggest IPs. Mm. And they were shooting in South Africa. Middle, ah. Yeah. And so I'm up for this character and I, I crushed the audition. I was so excited to hear back, dude. And like everything was going great. About a week goes by. And yeah, dude, well, the funny thing is like they had all the names changed, they had everything changed, right? Yeah. My friend's a big fan of the space that they're mm -hmm. creating in, right? And so we, we sat down and we're like, yo, we figured out exactly what character it was. Oh yeah. We figured out exactly how to play it. Like it was so much fun, dude. And that coronavirus out of South Africa where they found like the new coronavirus. It was like, yeah. I forgot, Omicron. Omicron, yeah. And it was, and so yeah. the, the entire thing got shut down and never heard from it again. I don't know if they're still doing it or what's going on, but I was yeah. like, that was something that I was like, I could, uh, 
do very well just at the comic cons alone for the rest of my life. <laughs> I was like, dude, I would have been so fun, dude. Dude, they make hundreds of thousands of dollars off of Crazy, those. Crazy, Just the dude. events. It's yeah. nuts. This is the big, one of the biggest IPs in the world, this show. So if they make it, it's, it's going to be a hit no matter what. Incredible. I'm going to ask you which one it is, but I think I know which one it is after yeah, that. Yeah, I think you do too. That's funny. I know which That's one yours so is. so dope. I know which one yours you is. You do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think I auditioned for it too. Did you? I think so. Yeah. I just remember seeing an audition for it. Um, mm-hmm. And then I remember you talking about, it was a good one. It, it was good. It was a really good one. Uh, and the guy that's doing it's doing a great job. Yeah. yeah. I haven't seen it. You don't need to. It's fine. Uh, I, well. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. I'm not in it. It's yeah. fine. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> well, I had a random question that uh-huh. I want to throw in. Um, how much time did you spend on Animal Kingdom? Uh, I was there... One day, two days, three days. Did you enjoy it? It was a great time. Yeah. Super easy set. Everybody's super nice. Actually, Ellen Barkin uh, played the handler in The Man from Miami, who was also the mom on Animal Kingdom. Oh, wow. So it was a small world, and she was talking about that, and who would have known that like a year and a half later, I'd be playing her son's character, uh, his, his uh, fling, I should say. <laughs> Fuck buddy. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. She was incredible. a legend. Yeah, it was it was super fun and uh Jake Weary is super nice and like that was a it was a pretty uh intense scene, the one that went uh, uh wild online for a little while. I can imagine when, uh, why. There was a there's some some clapping of cheeks that happened and uh I had lots of friends that were texting me afterwards and they're like, Nice. Yeah. I was like, Thank you, thank you. I did yeah. my best. It's like, kind yeah. of like my, my after euphoria. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Very, Lots of people reposting your yeah. moment of just being totally naked on screen and Yep. It's a great time. A lot of friends sending me hilarious videos, oh, dude. It's great. All like all of my buddies loved it. Oh yeah. Like just to because they it was they're like, it's hilarious. I was like, it was kind of a serious, <laughs> supposed to be a serious scene. Yeah. But I was like, it's hilarious. It's hilarious. Like, it's my awesome. Buddy, dude, one of my buddies is has a glass yeah. of wine and it's the TV's behind him, right? And he's like, oh, here's, he's just sitting there filming it <laughs> while it's going down. He's just drinking the wine, enjoying his time, watching the show. I'm like, you know, look at that strong staff in the screen here. That's impressive. <laughs> it's taking over my entire TV. My God, what is that? A baby's arm holding an apple? <laughs> so that's, is that a trunk? Genuine Dothraki, <laughs> My God. <laughs> but but Jake, was, Jake was mad cool. He was so easy to work with because I'd never done a scene cool. that intense. Literally, he was like, oh, it's, we'll just like take it easy, be comfortable. Yeah. Like anytime you feel uncomfortable and like the set coordinator was great and we just went straight into it. I always get people say like, and obviously you're in that space too, mm-hmm. uh, but they say I look like one of the brothers from Animal Kingdom. Yeah. So, yeah. You could totally put like, that. Oh, for sure. Interesting. That'd but be awesome. But get compared we, to stuff all the time. You know, I, you know how that goes. I'm so significantly taller than Jake. Yeah. Like on screen, we had to like adjust a lot of little things. <clears throat> and uh did you just call jake little no <laughs> jake is a monster and he's shredded and he's handsome and he's got a great beard that's true and that's uh, true it's strong strong stubble um but i was like oh i am we, we we would tower so much like because you're an extra two three inches taller than me we're, yeah we're not too far off yeah you're and, you're a tall dude i'm yeah i'm not shredded. small i'm not sh- uh, short by any means you're not no. small small but uh, yeah, it was a. It's, it's always interesting trying to adjust the camera for height differences. Yeah, oh, yeah. I had a uh, my, the first show I ever did. Um, there was a, my love interest, and she was like five <clears throat> four, bro. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there was this one scene with I I always had to stand this this wide split, you know, to kind of bounce. I did the same thing. <laughs> Your legs and yeah. the pants won't go any further. Dude, there's a exactly. There's a scene I will never forget, dude, because we were like having some issues, you know, and she was helping out with uh, uh, somebody in the, in the scene. And we're sitting here, we're having issues, you know, but like, she's the love of my life. And I wanted to, you know, just give her a kiss. Goodbye. Like, just try to resolve this a little bit, right? At the end of the scene, I'm supposed to kiss her, right? <laughs> I know it is. I was standing there so long in that scene that I forgot I was doing it. And then I was like, I went to go and I'm like, wait, if I stand up, I'm going to grow two feet. <laughs> and so I had to like, it was an awkward moment. And then I had to like grab her neck and pull her into me and then kiss her and then like nice. go off. And so like, I didn't do that out of nowhere. And we used it cause it's shooting with Tyler Perry and he yeah. did like one or two takes on everything anyways. And I'm like, I'll never forget how <laughs> weird that felt to me in the scene. You know what I mean? So funny. Tricks of the trade. Tricks of the trade. By the way, so yeah. many scenes that we shoot sitting split legged, they're on Apple boxes, but not like one, but like yeah. two or three. I had one love interest and she was, she said she was five one. She was four eleven. Oh gosh! And that's I was big. Like, wow! Yeah. Wow! 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 Yeah, this is gonna be difficult. Yeah, I love that for you. I just there's a film I have coming out on Netflix. Uh, I think later this year. They don't have a date yet, but mm-hmm. it's called Players. And my scenes were with Gina Rodriguez. She's nice. incredibly talented. She's awesome. Um, but yeah, massive height difference. Oh yeah. Oh. You yeah. know, and every time you gotta like really figure out how to make it work, and it's it's very interesting. But you know, it it plays and it's. I think no matter what, it's a learning experience, but it's also funny. Yeah. Like they actually, this, this show I just shot recently, um, I don't think I can say what it is yet, but uh, they put me on an Apple box for the first time in my entire life. Really? Yeah. Really? Because Wait, the set who? was a little bit higher. So they wanted to balance me out uh, oh, huh. of where everyone else was standing, but so funny. And then he's like, I bet this never happened. I'm like, nope. <laughs> like, That's amazing. How yeah. was it? It was so strange. I've I've never been put on that. That's got to be the weirdest feeling. I mean, it was a half apple, but still, still, still. We've never. It's uh, always splitting. It never, felt, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, it was a strange feeling. It felt very similar to me shaving my beard off completely. Ah, by the way, I felt you naked. handsome devil. God, Likewise, I would I would so smooch that handsome face with that beard <laughs> off or on. But my God, you are. We may book something that that'll happen very, very soon. You guys should comment down below, but man, my God, that, that man is <laughs> handsome either way. But when he shaved, I was like, it's a stud. I, when we were, we were about to shoot a podcast, I'm like, who, who is the stranger yeah. walking into my. Yeah, I was going to get stabbed walking in. I'm like, I tried to call him before no. and like text him like, yo, grab I'm coming to the house, bro. <laughs> it's me. I'm coming over. <laughs> who are you? And what'd you do with Brock? <laughs> yeah. It was, Where is he? it took a couple of days of like, you know, you fall asleep and you wake up and you got your routine in the morning, whatever. I went straight in to brush my teeth. And I remember like, it's so funny, but I was like, yeah, recognize that, recognize that. Whoa, like, who's this guy? <laughs> it was so weird seeing my face. Dude. When was the last time you shaved like that? 12 years ago. No. Oh my gosh. Oh no. We, Where I showed it to anybody. <laughs> yes. We shaved, yes. We shaved together. I'd grown out my beard the entire pandemic and hadn't shaved and was coming up on the movie. Neither had Brock, but Brock had to shave it for something too. Surgery. Yes. Yeah. Deviated uh, septum. Yeah, yeah. And we shaved it and filmed the whole thing together and made the funniest video it was funny. of all time. Where is this video? We used it because we were, so we were going to pitch it. Um, it was- we, I, I got to see this. We basically uh, white labeled a video yeah. essentially that was hilarious. We'll show it to you. It's, mm-hmm. it's so funny. And okay, hell yeah. it didn't end up going anywhere, <laughs> but at the same time, it was so much fun to do. Yeah. And yeah so shave the beard. 
And the reason I forgot about that was because I went under surgery and I was literally mm-hmm. in the, in a cave for two, two weeks straight oh, on yeah. meds, like trying to survive. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, that was fun. It's a <laughs> hilarious video. Cause it started off initially. It was just me and Tyler and we shot like, uh, like some quick stuff out at like Malibu and we'd done some other fun things. And I was essentially just going to do like a, I, I wanted to do like a Zoolander spoof. Cause I had to, I had to get off the, you know, quarantine beard and then Brock was like, oh, I have to shave. And I was like, bro, bro, <laughs> do you want to do this with me? <laughs> Let's combine forces. We went back to Malibu and in the house <laughs> and we had probably the funniest slow-mo shots of all time of us doing Zoolander everything. Bromo. <laughs> we were, it, yeah. It dude. was the finest bromance I think I've ever seen on screen. I agree. It was I, incredible. I concur. We should just maybe release it to the public. I think we should just release it. <laughs> just be- hey guys, this uh, this is something that happened a couple of years ago, but uh, it's enjoy. Awesome. You're welcome. I gotta see this. It was fun. Dude. It's it's fucking. It's a great video. It, it I still funny. have the files. I need. You know what? I'm gonna send that to you guys. And we're gonna, I'm gonna yeah. finish the edit on it, and then we're gonna- <laughs> we'll have it like in the lower thirds of this. <laughs> yeah, just, just like- have it playing. <laughs> Just slow-mo shots of us yeah. shaking our hair and our beards. <laughs> yeah, man. Oh, yeah. That was a great time. What was it like going from uh, Disney to now, you know, Netflix and all the other stuff? Was Disney a different a totally experience? Different. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, totally different ballgame. Um, Disney, you know, they are such a refined machine um, <clears throat> uh, that their um, expectations on the way you deliver lines to not adding a single word on their sitcoms is, is very dialed in. And rightfully so they make billions off of this stuff and they've been doing it for the last 30, 40 years of, you know, teenage sitcoms and they're awesome. Uh, and when I booked Jesse, I didn't know what it was. I'd already, you know, I think the last thing I watched was like, that's so Raven. And that was a while back. And so I didn't know it was as popular as it was. And, I knew Debbie from like mutual friends and stuff. And uh, yeah, that thing was a well-oiled machine that I had to, I was so used to indie film at that point in light of like improvising and like adjusting things to like get the feel right. And they're like, no, absolutely not. I would get a, <clears throat> I would say this whole like monologue in, in Jesse and I'd get feedback from the voice of God and it'd be like, hey, uh, Pearson, you said and instead of but, can we just go back and redo that? And I was like, that's the worst. I was like, really? That that's what that's what we're gonna cross hairs over. Not everything was great, and they're like, yeah, yeah, knew exactly the same thing, but put <laughs> butt in there. So just do it. And I was like, okay, great. Um, <clears throat> but coming into to now, it's quite the transition. Where you know, man from Toronto, <clears throat> I've had a lot of work from then till now, and going into that with Kevin, who not only is a stand-up comic, but, you know, a genius with improvisation. And he can make a stand-up roast out of anything, anywhere, anytime. And he's one of the quickest guys on his feet of all time. That's why him and The Rock are so funny. That's why he, why he uh, raced Usain Bolt. Yeah, <laughs> I see what you did there. There you go. That was good. Quickest guy on his feet. That's quickest guy on his feet. Very nice. Who else is, is quick? I am. <laughs> I am. I'm very fast at times. Not today though. Um, and he, we'd be improvising uh, scenes together and you know, I'm, I'm kind of like the younger, you know, brick on the block and trying to just not do too much improv I don't want to throw those guys off, but then cut to Kevin's like, 
wildly goes off script, makes it super funny, and then just brings it back in. And my job as the kind of like straight man of the the comedy piece of it is just to like react and have a couple quick moments with them. But that was awesome. It was so mm-hmm. fun. And then like getting to improvise with them and like just jab back and forth on different things was, oh, it was amazing. And it's fun to hold your own and then see those jokes come up in the show. Yeah. You're like, nice. So I did, I did okay. This is good. This is very good. I mean, <clears throat> literally one of the top comedians in the world, obviously, and like known for his like quick wit. Oh yeah. I mean, I can only imagine how much fun that must have been. Dude, I, there wasn't a single scene that we didn't end up laughing. That's great. At any point, even on the right. really bad days at 4 a.m. when we've been shooting nights for two weeks and everybody's having mental breakdowns because you're in a pandemic and right. isolated from everybody and stuck in tents on set. <clears throat> he comes in with a great attitude and is like, all right, let me make a joke and brings everybody's mood back up. And then by the end of any scene, once he's got his, you know, the safety take, he goes off book oh, and just great. starts roasting. And it's so that's great. Oh my God. There was, there's a couple moments and they put it in the blooper reel where <clears throat> like me or Woody are, you know, playing the like forced, like very straight characters of like, this is, this is serious. There's no funny bones in our body. Yeah. And I would just hear Woody go. <clears throat> and as soon as, as soon as Woody starts breaking, I can't hold my face cause I'm <laughs> dead eyeing him. Yeah. And I see Kevin out the corner of my eye and he's like, <laughs> and once he knows he's got you, he drives straight after you. Oh, and all he man. wants to do is just make you crack. And it's hilarious. I, I watched him make an entire stand-up routine off of a box of oatmeal inside of our storage room fight. What? And entertained everybody for an hour and a half. It's amazing. Oh, that's incredible, dude. Quickest guy of all time. It was crazy. And he's he's so funny. He's super funny and yeah. super nice. Just easy. Yeah. Always brings like positivity and energy to the set where you're just like this could have been a really rough day and you've clearly been shooting 12 commercials and doing press for your other 45 projects and slept an hour and you're still really positive coming on set. That's really, that's really freaking awesome. Great sign of a leader, right? I mean, to, to come in, like you said, energized and positive. I mean, that sets the tone like literally, right? I mean, yeah, a hundred percent. And he did a great job of that. Um, you know, it's always, it is the biggest name on set that becomes the generalized leader and sets the tone for everyone. And he did that in such a, such a cool way, especially during the pandemic. And I know everybody remembers the first six months of this were awful. Just some of the worst months of all of our lives. We're stuck inside. We can't see our friends. We're having like breakups and fights with our families. People aren't yeah. talking to each other anymore over, you know, virtue signaling politics and everything else. And just, it was crazy. And <clears throat> to be on set and to have that opportunity and to have Kevin just constantly change the narrative from like something really negative and to be able to go into that positive mindset was, was truly impressive. And I, I really admired that. And I was like, dude, what's your secret? He's like, naps. <laughs> He's like, I'm napping right now with my eyes open. Yeah. Just taking quick naps every time I blink. Just, <laughs> That's it. Just napping right now. Uh, but you would see him as soon as he was done, he would just like sit in his chair or walk back to his trailer and just and wake back up as soon as they call, hey, Kevin, we need you. He's like, yeah, yeah, ready. <clears throat> and then jokes. 
That's great. I wish I could do that. Right. Yeah. I, if I go out, I'm like, I'm coming back a little out of it, dude. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm going to need three Red Bulls before I do this. That's yeah, <laughs> right. That was when I did my first press tour ever. Uh, it was for Tyler Perry's Boo Amadea Halloween, you know, and mm-hmm. I'd never done a film before, never done press before. And we're going all over the place. I was oh, in yeah. Florida. I was in Atlanta. I was in New York. I was in LA, you know, and it was just nonstop for five days straight or something like that. And I remember seeing Tyler in passing in some of of the spa, like spots we were in in New York and whatever. He was, like, oh, he was yeah. like, hey, what's up? You know, like, oh, now I'm going in. And he did probably five times, 10 times more interviews than I did, right? Right. By the end of the trek, I flew into Atlanta to do Good Day Atlanta. And it was live and we had to be there on set at like four in the morning. We go live at five or something like that. And I'm like, I'm in a different time zone. I haven't eaten in four days. I haven't, I haven't slept in five days. Exhausted. Like, oh, yeah. I, it was a different level of exhaustion, right? And I remember going live and luckily I had two of my castmates with me and they asked me a question and I got like halfway through and I was like, what's, what, you know, like, what word <laughs> am I looking for? Like, yeah. and I'm like just sitting here like dead face. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I, I Pretty, can't remember. I've been yeah. tired. <laughs> Thankfully, I don't think they asked me another question. After that. <laughs> but the camera I, just zooms in on your face. You're dead eyed staring at a wall. And they're like, like is he dead? Man. Is he okay? And, and for me, was a massive learning experience, right? Because I'm like, I cannot function like this. I need to find a better way. Yeah. So after the fact, uh, I was lucky enough to ask Tyler, you know, who had done way more than what I had just done. And I go, hey, hey man, um, this has been awesome. It's been wild ride. I'm exhausted. And I think I just blew the last interview, but it's been great up until now. And I just wanted to know, like, what do you do to get energy? Like, what do you do to like work through it? Mm. And I was expecting, you know, naps or, <laughs> or you got to eat a certain way. You got to sleep this kind of routine. You know, like I was expecting something. Right. And literally he, he goes to me, he just says, you just do it. And in that mm. moment, I was like, Holy crap. One, I see why Nike's so big. And two, yeah. <laughs> from that moment on, I've been able to turn it on because I'm like, you just got to do it. You got to show up. You got to get through it. You got to figure it out. You got to just mm-hmm. dig deep and, and you know, get after it. And, and I've literally ever since then been able to turn on whether it's on set, whether mm-hmm. it's, in, you know, I'm exhausted, whether I don't feel well. Uh, we come to the podcast, you know, you, you don't feel clear, but yeah. you're like, you, as soon as you sit down, the camera's going, I'm on. It turns it on. Let's go. Yeah. It's like a little dopamine yeah. incentive and just not giving yourself a way out. Burn the ships. Exactly. The excuses go out the door and then <coughs> you know you've got more in you. If you're still breathing, you got more. Yeah. You know, and it's, yeah. it's a mentality, I think, more than anything. So mm-hmm. that was a very uh, great piece of advice. Very simple. Yeah. But it changed the, my path. You know, now I'm like, oh, my workload, I can 10x right now and I'm going to be fine. <laughs> you're like, I won't sleep for a week, but I will just do it. Just do it. I'll just do it. How was it working with Tyler? Like he's, I mean, Dude. he's obviously one of the biggest filmmakers of all time and created an entire industry. Yeah. You know? And he was my first introduction. So I don't know how many years that's been now. Seven, I don't know, six, seven, maybe eight years mm-hmm. uh, since I started in this industry. And to see even what he's done in that time frame, Yeah. Mind blowing, dude. But honestly, I've never been on a set where- it wasn't filled with like just gratitude, kindness. Like he starts every single day off with a prayer with between everyone. You got 200, you know, 
grips, camera guys, actors, actresses. Mm-hmm. Like you've got all these people on set. I it like that. Yeah, with, that's good. Exactly. With the prayer, with great intention. Um, and everyone on set, dude, everyone that works with them is so awesome. I'm, I'm friends with everybody to this day. Yeah. Anytime I see him, it's like seeing a long lost friend, you know? Um, and cause you go through the trenches too, you know, he, like my first day ever filming, I did 80 pages yep. of my own dialogue. Oh yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. what? The next season, I remember going back and I'm like, <clears throat> I got the scripts three days before. Nice. I had 50 pages on my first day. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I am not even looking at the other scripts. I don't <laughs> care. I'm getting through this mm-hmm. right now. So I focused on those 50 pages, right? We get halfway through the day. I'm flowing. Things are going well. Um, they go, oh, we're doing this scene. And I'm like, what? What, what, what scene is that? Uh, what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> and they, they're like, yeah, this scene. And I'm like, what? I was like, I started looking at it. It was 15 pages that I led every other line and oh. I'd never seen it before because I only focused on the 50 pages I thought I had to do that day. So no I, no one told me, at least not, I, maybe I missed it. I don't know. But I remember- and, It's a and, lot of pages. And we were block yeah. shooting, right? It was a lot of pages, 15 pages on top of the 50 I already had, right? Yeah. So we were block shooting out the farmhouse that I was shooting, I was working on that day just to get it all done, move on. That's how Tyler works. He can shoot a whole season in two weeks. No problem. Jeez. 22 episodes or ours was only yeah. eight. So it was a shorter frame, but it's still, um, and I remember him walking up and I'm like, Tyler, I gotta be honest. Like, I don't got it. Like I've never seen this. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, okay. He looked over. He's like, you see that bathroom over there, that porta body? It was not even a hundred yards, maybe 75. He's like, I'm going to walk to that and I'm going to walk back and I want you to have it ready. I was like, okay, just do it. <laughs> exactly. Dude. I was like, all right, <laughs> give me a script. <laughs> and so I started going through it, dude. I read it as many times as I could. Oh yeah. Ran it, did anything I could in that short amount. That's a couple minutes, dude. Yeah. It wasn't a long time. Come back, literally roll cameras, did the entire scene, one take and we moved on. How crazy is it that we every day are capable of stuff like that, but we do not hold ourselves accountable to that crazy of a standard because we're like, oh, it's really hard. There's no way that's going to happen. Yeah. But you do it. Yeah. You, you find something in the bottom of your soul and you just take it. Yeah. And you're like, somebody else is going to take this if I don't do this right now. Exactly my thoughts. I was like, I'm going to get fired. Yeah. If I, and I love this job. <laughs> it's my first real job. How do I keep my job? What if we acted like that every day? You know, what, right. would, what would our like potential truly be if we just hit every day that exact same way? The threshold would be a different scale. Because we, we, we had the same schedule. We shoot eight episodes in four days on Bold and Beautiful. And then suddenly, you know, you get on set and, you know, Man from Toronto, we're shooting one scene for seven days. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, this is really easy. This is great. <laughs> yeah, this is nice. Got my lines Got nailed. My, <laughs> I have all three of my lines perfectly memorized. It's actually, those are some of the hardest. When you got I one do. word. I just, <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, I just filmed this show and I like, I didn't really have my lines. They just were like, these might be the lines you have in this mm-hmm. time frame. And all the people I was going across from were all, com- they're all comedic geniuses, dude. Yeah. Incredible. Like all five of them. And I'm sitting here like I'm on the other end. Yeah. And finally they gave me my lines. Like I knew what they might be. Right. So I was running everything. And I like, dude, I had the monologue dialed because I thought it was going to be all together. Right. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh yeah, no, you're only saying these two lines for this, for this scene specifically because they weren't doing my coverage and I wasn't even in that shot. Um, 
I dropped the line. <laughs> I'm off camera and I dropped the line. I'm like, what's the line? I was like, I just ran it for six hours in my, in my oh, yeah. trailer, you know? Like, uh-huh. what? And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. I just made a fool of myself. <laughs> You're like, you had one job and two lines. And you, you failed. You, you failed. We got through it. And then the rest of the day was so much fun, dude. And it was so hilarious working with these guys. But um, it's well, like you're it's saying about like, exactly what you're saying. Okay. Like capability yeah, yeah. and like effort and all that. If you're doing what you love, mm-hmm. then adrenaline takes over enthusiasm, inspiration, all that. Just like if you don't, if you don't, if you didn't love what you were doing in that moment, in mm-hmm. that walk there and back, it would have been harder to like comprehend, figure out. You yep. would, you would have been like, you know, fuck, I can't, I can't do this or whatever. But if you love something, man, yeah. and you're really, really genuinely passionate about it, you, you can run, run up walls, lift up cars, you know? Yeah. yeah. I would say also the thing about that too is, which is such a nice gift, I would, I would say from acting, is the ability to let go. Mm. Don't let that one moment determine the rest of the day or the way you show up in your scenes. Like you can get in your head right. and be like, mm-hmm. I just, I'm, I'm an idiot. Like, look what I do everybody messes up. Oh yeah. Everybody drops lines in acting. Everyone does, you know, like there's other people that can go above and beyond and they're incredible and, and not say anybody else isn't, but like some people can do more. Some oh, people yeah. have photographic memory, you know, like it's yeah. different, but at the same time, like being able to be like, okay, look, I messed that up. Let me completely drop it. Well, even Jerry Rice would drop a pass, right? Yeah. But he was Jerry Rice because he'd come back to the huddle and then scored 80 yard touchdown. Yeah, it's how you show up after those those little things. Those I love failures, that. You know? yeah, and love that's that. what made the biggest difference for me moving forward is like, look, you can get in your head all day. When I do that kind of stuff, acting too, like I, I, I tend to want to be a perfectionist. You know, I try to mm-hmm. be the best version and feel very big weight. And I think that's yeah. part of the scene, especially when you're going against <laughs> the Titans with the industry, you know, oh, like yeah. these, these incredibly talented people. And you're sitting there like, I know I got this. Mm-hmm. Okay. I messed up, but I still got it. Yeah. Let me bring it back. Let me loop it back around. And it's, you got to get it out of your head. I think a lot of times, Yeah, you know, so it's an interesting, fun learning experience, but also, you know, you see these other people and how they're doing it. And the fact that, you know, you get to work across Kevin Hart and Woody Harrelson and, mm-hmm. you know, and you are holding your own and you're doing an incredible job. It's like, yeah, look, thanks man. I'm here too. You know what yeah. I mean? I got something to give. Mm-hmm. It's fun to see, dude. It's it, fun to do, fun to see, fun yeah. to be a part of. It is fun to be a part of, you know, and I think that's the thing that dreams are made of, you know, we, we all kind of talked and Star Wars was like a dream of mine. You know, I was like, oh my God, Luke Skywalker, you are, you are the pinnacle of heroes in my mind. Oh, Joseph Campbell, the hero's journey. I mean, he is, he's the formula. A hundred percent. He fit it perfectly. And, and, then to go and do something like Man from Toronto and sit there and go toe to toe with those guys, what a blast! Yeah, you know, like what a what a cool experience that, and what a surreal moment of like, man, I was a kid on a farm that was homeschooled that, you know, for all intents and purposes was socially kind of awkward at times, and suddenly I developed some strange social skill, and then people were like, "You should model, <laughs> you should act," and I was like, "No, I, I do want to act. I want to make movies. Like, get out of my way." Hell yeah. And then then suddenly I'm I'm out here and I always think back to that kid that was on the farm just being like, You had cows and now you're here. (laughs) (laughs) You sold asparagus on a corner of a street and now you're doing this with Woody and Kevin. This is cool. Yeah. I I had that same thought the other day, just a a dose of gratitude, man, of just if my younger self would have known I'm doing what I'm doing today 
even in the capacity that it may not be where I want to end up, mm-hmm. but I'm so grateful for every single moment. Like I do, my, my, no one taught me how to mm-hmm. run a business or how to act or how to, you know, chase your dreams or do like I, all those things were impossible feats that it was like, I should be it's intangible. Know, and that's what I was con- like, at least conditioned to believe until I said, no, yeah, I'm going to change my stars. I'm going to do what I want to do and, and I'm going to give it everything I've got. And, and what is that? The thing that I had, the one thing I had was my escape, which was movies. Mm-hmm. And I want to give that back to the world, man. Yeah. You know, and to just take a step back and be like, yo, you went through all of that and everything against you to get here. And it, it was, it was hundred percent worth it. Isn't storytelling fun? It's so fun. It's the best, man. It's, it's how you connect it. We've been doing it our entire species like the length of our species like Mm -hmm. thousands and thousands of years and like that's why i love you know like home all of homer's classical works and like that's the biggest inspiration for the comic that i've derived all my stuff from is the odyssey right like you go odysseus on the way back from the trojan war like you you know he's got to get past like the sirens by tying himself to the mast of the ships and Mm -hmm. like so he can't hear the you know the songs his men get turned into pigs and he's got to negotiate with the goddess to like free him and like mm. they got to slay the cyclops they got a journey to the underworld it's like all in one book like one yeah. journey it's <laughs> like it's it doesn't have to just be this confined thing like it's as big as your imagination can take it and um but yeah i mean whether it's you know, whatever project it is, whatever medium it is, you derive your inspiration from things you love and stories that connected with you, right? I mean, mm-hmm. what were some of your like early inspirations, like film stories? Oh man, um, a lot. I think Star Wars was really the one. I had the VHS tapes, and it had uh, oh George Lucas and uh, Leonard. I can't remember his name, but they were talking and doing the interview pre-movie. Okay. Um, and I watched those religiously like once a week for, you know, from eight years old till I was moving out of the house and I wore out those tapes like crazy. I mean, I love hearing that too. We had, a uh, Anna, that star Wars girl on to talk about the Kenobi show oh, on wow. Disney plus. Wow. And, um, you know, we were just going back and forth about Luke and what they did with them in the last Jedi and all this stuff, but it was fun. It's, that's what fandom is right like yeah. you just debate and discuss and you just care so much about a character that you can talk about him for hours and like that's what fandom is yeah and, and how cool is it that like it doesn't you know star wars and star trek and all these like big mythical you know stories are our versions of the odyssey and they've changed our lives and made society a better place and for an hour and 20 minutes everybody shuts up Everybody has a similar shared experience in a room across the world, you know, watching the same movie and they all fall in love with a character that reminds them of themselves. They see the flaws and they see the struggle and they see the transformation into a hero. And they're like, that's, that's me. I'm an ordinary person put in extraordinary circumstances and I can, I can achieve something great if I try. And it's, it's so cool because like, that's that's my journey. That's your journey. That's that's your journey of like coming from from nowhere and nothing, and turning that into whatever we have today. 
I love that, man. It's so cool. That's just, we just have the coolest jobs in the world, man. Yeah. I love yeah. it. I, I couldn't have said it better. I'm all fired up now. Right. That was inspiring. <laughs> Thanks, yeah. Man. yeah. But even like the, the man from Toronto, like I, I loved watching, but also it reminded me when I was young, uh, when I would walk out of a good film and you see this crazy action or these insane fight sequences or Superman. And you're like, yeah. you like, I can do that. I'm, I'm ready to take flight. I'm ready right. to kick ass, you know, like, and, and I'm watching it remind me of like, dude, that the knife fights, the, the gun scenes, the, the golf, like everything all together was like, it gets me fired up. Like I want to go be the man from Miami, you know right. what I mean? And that's, and like you're saying, the shared experiences across the board, like that's yeah. why we're doing it. Cause it's, and when you have a good film too, it's exciting. It's fun. It takes you out of it, dude. Oh yeah. It's, it's why I, I just, that's why I love it. You know, yeah. there's so many elements and so many things that have to go right to make a film. It's incredibly hard to make a film. So, thousands of jobs. Yeah. Each it's, one is a miracle. Yeah. It's the most collaborative art form in the entire freaking world. And if one piece of it's wrong and everything else is right, you're going to have a terrible film. Oh Yeah just you f shoot the entire movie and suddenly you got an editor that's like, I see it differently. Yeah. And, and then you see it and you're like, wow, that's, that's a terrible movie. Oh, cancel it. Well, you can take when, when we were shooting the resort in in Maui, right? Like we were on a very limited budget and we were dealing with rainstorms and all in shooting nights and like only having a couple hours to like figure out, okay, what are we going to shoot tomorrow? Oh. Yeah. And like, what is the weather going to be like? And as the producers, you're like, literally, if you decide the wrong thing, you could lose a day or two based off your decision. Yep. And it's like, but that's what's so thrilling about it also. Yeah. It, it's the like adrenaline. gambling without gambling, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, but obviously everyone, like you said, like we had the assistant camera operator in the production office with us. And like, we, we wanted everyone's opinion. Yeah. Like it was a team effort. It's like everyone has valuable input and it was great just having everyone in that room yeah. from director to everybody. So very collaborative and very fun and thrilling. That makes it but, fun. That makes it exciting, especially like solving problems on the fly when it's, there's something truly terrible yeah. that just happened and you're like, okay, we have an iPhone to film the rest of the movie with. Uh, how are right. we going to do this? <laughs> <laughs> That's like you're saying too about watching uh, the the tapes with George Lucas and mm -hmm. um, I love watching that stuff, the behind the scenes yeah. stuff, the stuff that kind of integrates you into that world a little bit more behind the scenes. Like oh, yeah. I, I, any chance I get to watch that stuff, like I remember watching this stuff with Scorsese, you know, and, and, oh, yeah. and talking about like, if there's a problem, him just taking a minute and being like, okay, this is what we're going to do, you know? And like, yeah, it was Spielberg too, like watching, uh, I think it was a documentary with him too. It's, it's in him. A great one. Yeah. It's incredible watching his way to walk into a room and figure out in that space, what he's going to do next and look at he's Steven Spielberg, man, you awesome. know? And that's part of the, that process too. But it's so exciting to like, when you know also all the jobs and what it takes to make it, I feel like it makes you a greater actor. It makes you oh, yeah. a greater director, producer, everything. Cause you're able to, see it from another perspective. Mm -hmm. And also I remember like my first job ever, I was so nervous, man. I was oh, so yeah. like the shakes. Uh, yeah. And I'm an introvert. So naturally <laughs> like, I'm like, why don't you get these cameras on my face? What is this? I hate this job, but I love it. And, um, I had to realize that like, yes, you might be the show, mm -hmm. but the show really is 
90 plus percent of everything else. Mm -hmm. And you're like, look, everyone has their jobs. Everyone's job is important. You're, you're one part of a a larger sum. And it Mm -hmm. took the pressure off of like, I don't care anymore. Like, stop, stop worrying about it all. We're all in this together. Let's get through it. And let's just be the best version that I can. Yeah. And it, that was definitely a a fun. So when I see all that other stuff, it Mm -hmm. excites me more because I'm like, look, even on the highest scale, there's more to learn. There's more to do. And there's no one way to do this. It's, it's what are we bringing to life? You know, the comic book, we're telling a story and, and Will's been pouring so much of himself into it. And like he said, he's dude, he's got incredible history, mm-hmm. uh, Greek mythology knowledge and the Odyssey. And it's just like hearing it over and over here. You're like the elements of Will are in yeah. that dude and what he's passionate about and what I'm passionate about, dude. And it's like, mm-hmm. that's storytelling, you know? And we're, I think we made something really cool. But yeah. it's the same thing with film. Like, regardless of where you're at, it's storytelling and it's a great damn time, damn great, it's a great damn time. Gushgasting. You know time. what I'm saying? Yes, you dang right. What, what, so, like, talk to me about Kane. Like, this, I mean, clearly, I haven't read it, but this looks fantastic. And from everything that you guys have described to me, it sounds like just an, a total epic. Like, it's it is a, moder- a modern myth. No, yeah. yeah. Thanks for asking about it. So, basically, Kane starts off. He lives in a cabin in the woods in small mountain town. He, wor- he works in the mine. And he basically, when the owner of the mine changes, mm. everything in his life is uprooted. And he basically has to adapt or survive. Mm. And he has to battle all these crazy creatures and figure out the history of his uh, family. Mm. And like, it goes on this crazy odyssey to figure out who his parents are, you know, who his ancestors are, like, where do you get his, I can't really explain that. Like, where do you get his powers from? Mm. And, you know, meeting all these cool people along the way and learning from the mentors and I don't want to like give too much away. Spoil it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, that's kind of where we jump off in issue one. But, um, but I mean, it goes... We have issues in like ancient Greece, ancient Rome, oh, cool. like ancient England or old England. And like, that's the cool part is it's not just Cain in modern times. It's like the entire family lineage um, mm. dating all the way back to the Trojan War. Wow. So like, and with gods and um, creatures and all this stuff. So it's pretty cool. That's awesome. But, what was the inspiration yeah. for it? What like started you off and got you into this character and this part of the universe and- Basically, I mean, kind of like we talked about earlier, like the Iliad and the Odyssey kind of being the core basis of it, mm-hmm. because we find out an issue to like who his ancestors are and how far, how far back they date mm-hmm. um, and get into like the gods of all of it and the mm-hmm. mythology and, you know, theology. But um, man, it was really just, it's kind of like this big hodgepodge of all this different stuff because- there's also hints of like Predator and Blade oh, cool. and like, you know, films from the 90s that are these amazing uh, fantasy sci-fi action mm-hmm. adventures. So it really is this crazy like mix of all that stuff. Yeah. But, and it's absolutely a story that's never been told before. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Nobody's ever done this. Very unique. Very yeah. unique. I love that. Yeah. Thank God. Thank you. Thank you guys for yeah. <laughs> making something that is unique in its whole presentation because we need that. No, we need I new stories. It. Yeah, we do. We do. And new heroes. And new heroes. 
Hey. Take off your shirt, big boy. I'll, I'll do it if you do it. <laughs> All right, let's do it. Come on. Let's get frisky. <laughs> Shave that beard. Cut. We're just outside wrestling shirtless. It's a classic. Yeah, no, I got to <laughs> see the shaving video now. <laughs> it's Dude, coming. When you're, when you're writing this, because writing is possibly one of the most isolating and frustrating parts of the uh, storytelling process because you're taking nothing on a white piece of paper and trying to make a whole universe out of your brain. What, what's your process like? What do you go through? What are the stages of grief that you go through with killing a character? Like talking yeah. about that. No, for sure. So, I mean, I basically rewrote, wrote and rewrote the first issue like 30 times. Jeez. I, I needed to figure out, cause I've never written before. Um, I usually just focus on producing and like finding scripts and reading them and then deciding. Mm-hmm. Um, but once I figured out my, my tone and my, strategy of like getting the words on paper and the structure and the actual writing, Mm -hmm. then I'm like, okay, now I'm good. Now I can do the fun stuff. And if you'll, you know, if you look behind me kind of on the table, you'll see like five whiteboards that are completely full. Maybe you can't cause the, uh, the wall. Um, but yeah, so like, I love using the whiteboards to like outline it all. Mm -hmm. And then I kind of go in and dive in and just knock them out. But it's tough because you'll write an issue and then kind of get stuck and need to workshop it a little bit and then come back to it. But like we have Kane, we have, you know, the old England one, we have a gladiator version. We have a ancient Greece version. We have McKenna's spinoff that's in production right now. Oh, cool. Announcing for the first time. Um, You're welcome. People. Yeah. We've got another great artist working on that one. Um, so like, each character is getting their own spinoff that'll coincide with this main storyline. Oh, that's awesome. Um, so like a lot of whiteboards, magic markers. Yeah. A lot of workshopping with Brock and um, some of my other friends that are writers, anyone mm-hmm. you can, right? I mean, but- Do you, do you start with the ending, uh, like knowing where you want to go or sometimes you just start wherever you want and right from there? Like what's your initial? No, it's a great question because- one of my writer buddies was like, you have to know the ending in order to start act one mm-hmm. um, because they have to be so similar. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'll try I'll try to work out the ending. Um, are, you, first. are you saying the ending of a volume or an issue or are you saying the ending of the entire universe? Uh, both. Well, the universe is always uh, probably like that'll change over time as, yeah. as the story evolves. But usually like uh, each story that you're telling in a comic, do you know the ending of those pieces, or do you know the ending of the universe? Do you? Well, we we're mm-hmm. we're building up to like a big end game style um, event. And awesome, that, but and, and it's, the, everything won't just like yeah. end potentially. Hopefully not, because then we're just yeah. done. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that end, I think, sparks a new beginning. Right. Yeah. Well and, put. Well put. Yeah. Thank you. Touche. I thought about it a really long time, like a point five seconds. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, yeah, that's exactly this is like, even the conception of this I felt was the idea was so cool. Mm-hmm. And then the more we fell in love with it mm. and Will was like just th- throwing everything into it, man, it turned into something so much bigger uh, that I think even we, we've had like epiphany moments together of like, yes, that's, that's it right there. Let's yeah. keep going, you know, keep, keep problem solving, keep working on it um, and keep throwing things at the wall until finally you're like, okay, yeah. 
Did we know we were going to do, you know, a McKenna spinoff, for example, mm-hmm. originally when we, when this was written, when Will was writing this originally? No, I don't think so. Maybe it was in the idea, you know, but it wasn't like a conceptually designed thing. Now it's like full on, dude. You yeah. Know? And then the same thing with the other volumes. I think as we discovered more about this guy right here, yeah. that is fine. He's finding out his own history in the, these first issues so you guys also, are discovering his history with him. With him, exactly. Oh, that's cool. Exactly, yeah. That's so that, really cool. that's, I think, is such a fun ex- and exciting part. Like, talking with Will about it is like, we've come up with ideas all the time. And, and like, what are the limiting factors in this, you know, universe? Mm-hmm. How do we stay within the rules of the universe, but also make it ever expanding? And, and I think, you know, it's, it's accomplished. It, so issue cool. two goes a lot. Issue two is like a lot more exposition in it also. Mm-hmm. I didn't want issue one to be too exp- you know, heavy on that. I wanted mm-hmm. it to just like bring you into this world, meet the characters, have some action. Mm-hmm. And then issue two really kind of dives into that backstory. But it's a six issue run. Wow. So, but and for like this one. you Did you start wanting the character, like you knew the character of Kane, or did you start knowing the story-ish idea that you wanted to roll with? You said it inspired by the Odyssey, but sometimes like you either have like a line of dialogue or you see a scene in your brain, but you don't know who's in that scene. Like what was the, you're like, oh, this this is it. It's a really good question because we like, I wanted to establish his history in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Like we know, it's like hopefully issue two will be done and come out like shortly after this. Mm -hmm. But like, establishing who his ancestors are and like what the origin of the universe was Mm -hmm. during the Trojan war and like whose side everyone is on all the major players in the war and like all that, that had to be established hundred percent. Yeah. Um, before you could do any work because it's like all that stuff is the foundation of what's happening in modern times. Mm -hmm. They have to figure out how to connect to that world so yeah, hundred percent. That had to be established. Gotcha. It is cool too. Like the more you dive into that and the history of it that was added in, you know, um, it legitimizes. Yeah. And you're like, oh, we have characters that the world is familiar with. Mm-hmm. Our our world. Yeah. And implemented in here into the storytelling, and then it's like, okay, well, I know that, but here's a different spin. You know. Yes. Here's there's there's elements of things that. Uh, are extremely exciting that can't, we can't talk about just yet, but it's like there's yeah, it's tough with like only yeah. issue one being out. Let's just yeah. say there's like major, exactly major historical figures that we've included that also, unbeknownst to anyone else, have a storyline with Cain or someone of his lineage, right? Oh, awesome. so where it's like I didn't know that this guy went through all this stuff from this time period, from the ages of you know eight to eleven or whatever. And so it's adding more to that story, but also legitimizing ours, I feel, even more. Yeah. Um, so it takes you on a wild ride of like, yo, this is, it's, and it's so fun, dude. It Does he so kill fun. Hitler? <laughs> I mean. <laughs> questions asked. That's my favorite part of it, though. It's like, <laughs> not how they kill Hitler, but how like, you can be reading an issue about the gladiator one in Rome mm-hmm. and like, it directly connects to every other issue and every other character. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Like, and that took a crap load of time to figure out. Mm-hmm. But like, that's my favorite part, I think. Did Kane kill Abel? 
<laughs> He's able to kill him. Aha, touche. <laughs> Historically, I think, didn't they kill each other? I think they did. Yeah, right? he was a little upset. Chosen, yeah. not chosen. Yeah, hot goes. Bromicide. Bromicide. Oh, God. <laughs> That's so you caught cool. me off guard with all the comic questions, but I'm like so excited to talk I, about it. But it's dope. Also, because like I don't know, there's not very many people that will like make a comic, but if they do, it's, you know, a lot of people, it'll suck. But this looks <laughs> freaking awesome. I mean, like sometimes you know you see friends' <laughs> art and you're like, oh wow, that was so brave. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> for sure. But this looks this looks amazing, and like I flipped through it and. It looks so badass, and like that's that's like a compliment to, to the genius of making something unique and original. And a huge credit to the artist, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, shout out Patrick Blaine, our penciler, Denai Ribeiro, our colorist, um, Andy Owens, our inker, Zen, our letterer, even like one hundred percent. Our team on point. Do you guys plan on taking it into any other universes? Like, if like DC approached you guys and said, "Hey, we like King, we want to do something," would you? Uh, DC, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there could be for sure potential crossovers, but that's that's what's so fun about it. It's open ended. It's not limiting. There is cool. there is zero limiting factors within this universe. I think hundred percent. There's always a way to find a way. I love that you guys are telling your own story too. It's, it's that's like that's crucial in everything that we do. It, and we all talked about this a little bit, but it, sometimes we get tired of seeing the same story repeated and then re-engineered and repeated and re-engineered, but you're like, I've seen that character 47 times. Don't you have more characters to show off? Like, it seems like a good idea. This is it. This is that opportunity. It's striking gold. And I think with that too, there's a sense of risk involved in creating your own story, Mm -hmm. right? So it's easy to attach to IP that's already known and uh, been digested and and accepted by everybody or, or lots of people. So it's easy to piggyback that. It's mm-hmm. hard to start start something from scratch and to start it over. And it's a little more scary, a little higher risk maybe. But I think the reward, much like making a film, you don't know if it's going to be received well necessarily. Um, but if it is, it's uh, even more, it's a hundred times more worth it. Yeah. You know? I've always wanted like my own like Star Wars or Lord of the Rings that I could like just nerd rage on forever, right? Yeah. And like J.R.R. Token still didn't finish all the Lord of the Rings stories by the mm-hmm. time he died, but he built out that world more than anyone else ever has. Absolutely. Um, uh, so yeah, this is like. So this how was, is how it, was your uh, podcast with George Lucas? I mean, Steven Spur. I mean, yeah, but, Will Meldman. That's awesome. That's so good. <laughs> so awesome, dude. Thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, dude. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You got any more questions you want to ask before we... Uh... I mean, I could sit here and ask a million <laughs> questions. I, I want to hear about everything, but yeah. I think for now... <laughs> we'll have you back on. We'll Please, back yeah. On. This is yeah. fun. It's great, dude, great being here. Dude, thank you so much for the time. Thanks for yeah. coming on. I miss you. I miss you too, bro. Yeah, and now Will's going to miss you. Will, I miss you too. Yeah. I can't believe I made it in the Cute Boys Club. Cute dude, boy. you're a cute boy for sure. Yeah. It was the hat. It was the hat. It was the hat. One hundred percent. But thanks for sharing with me too. I appreciated hearing your guys' process and like your yeah, lives man. and everything else. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Absolutely. A lot more to come, dude. Yeah. And hopefully, uh, there's a real life story of a farm boy that becomes Superman. Let's go, baby. Come <laughs> on. Uh-huh. Come on. Let's go, son. All right. All thanks, right, guys. Fairly well. Until next time. Thanks for tuning in to Studio Twenty Two. 
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. Com.com slash compatibility.